You know, it is, uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Former Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook testified in court today that Hillary Clinton personally approved the dissemination of the Trump-Russian bank allegations to the media. Explosive testimony has undercovered what was at the root and who gave the blessing for them to disseminate false information that was amplified a million times over by our mainstream media. Hillary Clinton personally signed off on this. Personally. Hillary Clinton herself. They misled, they obstructed justice. The entire FBI was in on it. And the campaign and the DNC. The Russia hoax is finally dead. The collusion delusion is over. Whoa, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon, good evening. Glad that I could make it here just in time. Ladies and gentlemen, trying to get everything going and ready on this side of the screen. I hope everyone is doing well out there tonight as uh, we get ready to get into another episode of The Sea Report. Coming to you live on this Monday, May 23rd, 2022. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossidis. And it is great to be here with you guys this Monday evening. And I hope everyone had a fabulous weekend. I know I did, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Oh, boy. Let me tell you what. What a weekend. And let me get... Let me get myself sorted out here. Obviously, we're having a Monday here at the Sea Report. <coughs> Pardon me. Having a good Monday, a good Monday nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let me tell you what, for uh, all the fun we had this weekend, it is it has been a lazy and a busy Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, we had a, what do you call it? Uh, a nice, uh, kind of gloomy, stormy day today here in my neck of the woods. You know how that uh, gloomy weather gets one going, right? Or rather how it gets one not going, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Busy nonetheless, busy nonetheless. Uh, spent the entire day doing all types of uh, catching up with some uh, housekeeping here on my end. Let me tell you what, guys. making Going through the, the library of C-Report episodes, making sure I have everything downloaded, cataloged, put up right. It's been a busy day for me. Doing all of that behind-the-scenes work kind of makes one feel a little bit lazy, Particularly when you got nothing but storm clouds overhead and you just want to get under the blankets and not do anything. Glad to be with here with you guys at this time of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, wasn't that a fun little intro that we had there? I think I got it to go off right uh, without a sound problem or sound bite off. 
ladies and gentlemen, coming from the Save America PAC. Um, again, President Trump's um, uh, his campaign HQ for everything America first and Save America. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, I'm willing to play it again, but uh, he had that posted on his Truth Social where you could see that video there. Uh, the, the, I mean, it's coming to a head, guys. It's coming to a head. I have, I have a pretty darn good feeling that before we get to the end of the body heap, right, the dog pile, uh, we're going to see that uh, Hillary Clinton is about uh, two-thirds of the way at the top there, ladies and gentlemen. We all know that she uh, she was the main the main vein there when it came to uh, trying to bring down President Trump because after all it was her campaign and it was her spot at the presidency that was most at stake there back in 2016. But we also know that she is not the top of the heap for this particular incursion. Though as much as she probably would like to see herself as the number one overlord of America, uh, I think we know that in order for her to pull those strings, ladies and gentlemen, she would indeed need to have support from an executive top, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, we all know who is sitting at the top of that bone of throne, that bone, that throne of bones, that bone of thrones, ladies and gentlemen. And that probably would have been. Uh, well, not probably. It was one Barack Hussein Obama sitting on top of that uh, that heap of bodies there after having picked them clean and sucked the blood dry. That would again be one Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, we ain't gonna we ain't gonna stop this until we get to the very tippity top, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I like to say? We're gonna get to the bottom of this. I don't care who's on top. And I, I have every bit of confidence that uh, we're going to see Obama, barring some type of crazy uh, worldwide destruction, false flag, or some, uh, you know, rendezvous greeting, um, you know, uh, uh, happy holiday uh, kumbaya session with uh, UFOs, aliens, and extraterrestrials, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pretty sure that uh, they'll take it to Obama. I have every bit of faith that John Durham Durham is going to take it all the way there. It's just, you know, they've got to suss through all of the info until that point. No pun intended when we're talking about sussing things out. If that doesn't give you any clue, ladies and gentlemen, yes, absolutely. Uh, today on the Sea Report, we will be uh, doing our, um, our, 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 our friendly John Durham investigation, Michael Sussman trial update, as we missed out on all that jazz on Friday and Thursday, right? We've got so much other news that we've got to cover and get through and go by. Can't always cover the Michael Sussman trial on the day by day, but for the sake of continuity and for the sake of my audiences all around, particularly if you guys don't get your news anywhere else, we are going to go through the Michael Sussman trial today at a little bit later on in this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we also got, uh, what else we got ahead of you all today? We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Davos 2022. 
I'm sure everyone is interested, if they haven't heard already, um, we're already 24 hours removed from the convening of the World Economic Forum and the World Health Assembly, guys. Has our sovereignty been sold out yet? Well, we will find out, ladies and gentlemen. We will find out sooner than later whether or not that is the case. I don't think the sovereignty's been sold out just yet, but uh, they also haven't taken their vote yet either for all of the naysayers out there i'm pretty sure they're like oh we picked up on this story just a little bit too late right i mean we have presidents of the world we have uh, highly respected individuals throughout this entire globe who are talking against the international health regulation amendments that have been passed on for voting by the Biden administration. Oh, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they didn't get in on it ahead of the game as long as they wake up and they, uh, you know, they don't got to say anything about, you know what? You know what? Who cares, right? We don't talk about, uh, we don't talk about uh, every single bit of news here that's super important at the Sea Report. So, but we do the best that we can, right? If they still believe that nothing is going to happen with these amendments, well, what can we do about it? I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna twist their arm, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I wish I could cover. If I had more time in the day, like, do you know how long it's been since we've covered the Russia-Ukraine special military operation here at the Sea Report? Do you know how often that is on my mind? It's on my mind quite often because. Uh, I'd like to contend that no one debunks those situations over there as formidably as I do here at the Sea Report. That's not to say that no one else does, but uh, man, we were on top of that before it even happened here at the Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm just saying it is definitely on the top of my mind, particularly when you keep hearing headlines and reading headlines like Putin is about to die. And uh, he looks like he's a walking bag of flesh with uh, five years jaundice and a dying liver and a failing heart. And any minute now, Putin is just going to kill over or something like that. I mean, you read the headlines out there, guys. It's like they just talk so much crap, you know, uh, in order to uh, undermine the morale and undermine um, the uh, truth of what's going on over there in Ukraine and with Russia and you'll get your you'll get your actual real headlines every now and then from an alternative independent source but i find that even the alternative independents much like the individuals that don't want to talk about the possible world takeover by the WHO with these IHR amendments they just don't want to they just don't want to put their neck on the line right because it's a conspiracy theory until someone else says it's not most people don't want to talk about it. Most people don't even want to make um, an educated assessment of what could really be happening out there when really all it takes is just digging a little bit deeper into uh, the minutiae and into the details wherein often the devil lies. But you know what? There are a lot of details and a lot of devils to suss through. Again, that's not a mark against Michael Sussman and the sussing that they're doing with him. Right, Java? I see you over there, Java. What's up? They've got a sus, ma'am, <laughs> through all of those details. 
and figure out what the heck is going on. Well, I'm just saying, guys, I'm just saying, if you take uh, two opposite sides of the same coin and you compare them, you might find that one side is a little bit shinier than the other one. And that shine, ladies and gentlemen, that glints so beautifully in the golden sunlight is quite often the shining of truth, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the side you want to go with, right? Because not only does it shine in that beautiful sunlight, it also shines with what you know is accurate in your soul and in your gut. And you roll with it, ladies and gentlemen. You roll with it. And, uh, well... I like to roll with it, ladies and gentlemen. I like to roll with it. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Davos. We're going to talk about some of the attendees. We're going to talk about uh, some other interesting, um, uh, some other interesting factoids coming out of this convention over there in the hills of the. I don't know where it is. It the in the it's in Switzerland. Is that where Davos is? I'm not a world traveler. I am not even a worldly man, man. So I couldn't tell you, right? I've never been to that side of the sphere, uh, or I should say of the globe. I haven't been to that sphere of the globe, okay? Uh, what other, whatever hemi side it is, <laughs> I haven't been there, okay? So uh, yeah, you'll have to forgive me if I'm not too good on my geolocation. Uh, oh wait, geolocation? Yeah, I'm being tracked right now as we speak. It's okay, so are you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let the record reflect that we were being quite innocent on this Monday, uh, May the 23rd, sitting around the campfire with our screens up to our faces, listening to the likes of one Mr. C here at the Sea Report, and it's great to have you guys with me tonight, uh, coming to you live from the foxhole.app, pill.net, uh, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Rumble. Uh, most definitely would like you guys to remember, if you're catching us live on any of these platforms, make sure you give us a like and a thumbs up. Make sure you follow or subscribe. It's always free. And uh, most definitely, I'm very happy to have you along for the ride. One more bit of uh, housekeeping. Make sure you also check us out at our podcast. That's right, anchor.fm slash the C report, where you can catch all of the latest episodes that I have to shell out to you guys via the uh, production company if you want to call it that right i need to actually i need to start thinking of it like that this is a business this is a job this is my production company mr ctv bringing you the c report via podcast uh looks like uh, our latest episode du jour is uh, gonna be over this weekend's lone star news episode number 28 Talking about the Texas primary runoffs. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, to all of my Texas kinfolk out there who, uh, who have waited patiently to vote on election day. We have our runoffs tomorrow, May 24th, come rain or shine. I'm telling you, every time we have elections, at least in my neck of the woods, it is always dark, dreary, drab weather. Uh, so much so that you might not even want to go out and vote, particularly if you're taking the footmobile, right? The good old Flintstones way of getting around, like I do, ladies and gentlemen. It's a rainy. I'm not going to even bother to vote today. Is that what you think? I hope not. Because let me tell you what, come rain or shine, come hail or snow, that should not stop one from casting their vote on election day. 
you know, maybe in addition to getting election days to be, I don't know, a national holiday or even at least a state holiday for the states that are willing and savvy enough to follow suit, maybe instead of giving free rides to immigrants and free rides to people who need abortions, right? Or free rides to people who want to get their vaccines for, uh, for uh, COVID-19, ladies and gentlemen, they can give free rides to people to hit the polls, right? I think that would be a great incentive. Actually, I'll tell you what, guys, I would not mind my taxpayer dollar being spent on incentivizing uh, taxi cabs, Lyft drivers, and Uber drivers to take people to vote for free. That's right. You could put my taxpayer dollar on that. I don't mind that one bit at all. I think that's a fabulous idea, right? Get more people to go out and vote, right? Right? A free ride to the polls and back. You know, whatever the distance is it takes for you to get from your house to that poll, just in case you try and sneak off and uh, go grocery shopping or uh, <laughs> get something to eat on the taxpayer's dime. Someone should talk to someone about that, right? At the State House or at the uh, at Capitol Hill. Let's get that. Let's get the ball rolling on that, right? I mean, let's really, really, let's really blow out getting our elections uh, activity involvement uh, much higher than it is today. Anyways, we talked about uh, we talked about the Texas primary runoffs this past uh, actually just yesterday, right? Uh, I think it was a very fun episode, guys. You know, I mean, it was a very fun episode. It might have come after a little bit of brunch. But it was great, wasn't it? It was a great episode. We talked about little baby, uh, little, little baby uh, pedophile Nazi uh, grandbaby Bush, right? Running up against Ken Paxton. We talked about the liberal and conservative clothing with tassels. Oh, actually, the liberal and conservative tassels and thong. <laughs> Sarah Stogner running up against the mightily corrupt rhino. Uh, Wayne Christian, and uh, we also talked a bit about Rhino Don Buckingham. Trump-endorsed Rhino Don Buckingham running up against grassroots Dr. Timothy Wesley. It's going to be an interesting competition. I kind of already know which way these are going to go. I forecast, right, Mr. C looks into his C crystal ball, and what Mr. C sees is... A Paxton victory, a Wayne Christian victory, and a Don Buckingham victory, right? And it sucks, right? Because uh, I'm not going to vote for Don Buckingham. And I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this railroad commissioner um, race, to be, to be honest with you. I'm going to try and write in for that. But, you know, on these Smartmatic machines that we use here in Texas, there's, there's no way to write it in. So uh, I guess I'm going to have to pick the brains of the election workers and be like, look, I want to write in my answer for railroad commissioner and I'm not leaving here until I can. And I don't know if they're going to have to like, I don't know, like beam in some kind of software that allows me to write in. And I'll be like, aha, it does connect to the internet. This Smartmatic um, information uh, voting booth does, right? I don't know. We'll figure it out tomorrow, guys. I'll let you guys know on tomorrow's episode of the Sea Report how my adventures in voting in the primary runoffs go. But it should be a fun time. I'm going to have a long day tomorrow. I can tell you that for sure, guys. I'm going to be getting up at the butt crack of dawn to go vote. 
have some breakfast, run some errands, and then come back and get the report together and uh, see where we end up after that. But in the meantime, guys, I'm telling you, anchor.fm slash the C report. So you can check out this very broadcast in podcast format. Take it on the go. Listen to it in your ears. It's very quite auditory. And from what I understand, the sound quality is top notch. Ladies and gentlemen, other than that, we have our last Sea Report episode. That is episode 306. Last week's episode on Friday was quite fire from what I've been told. People were just, Mr. C, I didn't know you had it in you to go that far, Mr. C. So if you didn't get to check out last Friday's episode of the Sea Report, I'd suggest you catch it on the replay Right, catch it over at Foxhole, catch it over at Rumble, catch it over at Clout Hub. Give it a listen and let me know what you guys think about it. Uh, yeah, that first hour, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what I don't know how the spirit got a hold of me as much as it did, but it did. And I'm still trying to decide whether or not I'm going to clip that out, guys. And it's just, I don't know what kind of firestorm I'm awaiting based on everything that just popped out of my mouth. (laughs) But it popped out. It did. And it was, uh, I had a fun time with it, ladies and gentlemen. I had quite a fun time but uh yeah so there you go guys that's kind of what we got coming up with us tonight on the report don't forget guys if you're over at truth social or at gab please follow along you can find me at truth social over at mrctv that's truth social at mrctv having quite a good time over there at Truth Social, I've been at least daily over there. You can get a hold of me at Gab at MR underscore CTV. Gab at MR underscore CTV. And I've been there at least every one to two to three days. Okay, so uh, doing some fun stuff over there. Um, you know, posting uh, news articles I think are relevant. Posting my uh, opinions and thoughts on matters and as well retruthing and regabbing uh that which i think uh is a, a hallmark of understanding that we all should have admittedly though i find a lot of fun memes over at gab you know and that's always a good time and uh for some reason truth social won't let me post a meme about bill cosby okay so i have an issue with that but it's not an issue worth separating over and so we're not Ladies and gentlemen, we are not. So yeah, looking into tonight's episode, of course, you know, we're talking again about uh, the Sussman case, uh, the Durham investigations, and also what's going on with Davos. And, uh, you know, I've already made a little bit of a mention about uh, Russia and Ukraine. It was kind of a a little hot under the collar about our... um, about our representatives and our senators' decisions about what they're doing with Ukraine, you know. And, you know, they've already sent that hooker, 
you know, uh, Vladimir, Vol, sorry, Vladimir. It's not Vladimir, it's Vladimir, okay? V-O-L-O-D-Y-M-R. Vladimir, right? Zelensky. Already sent that hooker so much money, guys. You know, and Zelensky has still not come to the C-Studios to give me my standard strip tease, right? Because, I mean, after all, we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars at this point, or, you know, uh, uh, over a hundred billion dollars for damn sure. And I want my strip tees in the leather pants with the stilettos and also, ladies and gentlemen, the halter top. Because you know what? The more that's on, the more comes off. I know that sounds pretty bad and crass to my audience out there. They're probably thinking like, Mr. C, really? You really want that uh, that five foot nothing in your studios? Well, you know I paid for it, okay? I pay you paid for it, okay? If anything, wouldn't you rather he be in studio than in your house, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, they've paid this fool so much money he could do a circuit around the Americas, right, and visit everyone's house. Okay, and give them all the, his own personal rendition of whatever it is that he likes to do when no one's looking and he's behind closed doors. But um, ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen, the amount of money and ridiculous. Even our senators, even my, even my two Texas senators, and I, I don't even like to claim one of them, right? And I'm not talking about, of course, I'm not talking about um, uh, um, a good old uh, Canadian cowboy boots um, cruise. Canadian cowboy boots cruise. Ah, that's a nice little like Canadian cowboy boots cruise. Don't uh, I'll claim him for the time being, right? Even though he voted to send forty billion dollars, right? Even though he voted against every single thing that I'm sure Texans said no cruise. Okay, okay, I get it. Maybe, maybe, maybe Senator Cruz is getting a personal strip tease from Volodymyr Zelensky in his own home. But that doesn't translate to my studios, nor does it translate to the homes of every single Texan that uh, is spending their uh, grandchildren's future on this hooker, prostitute, whore, right, to, to, to get the money that he's getting. Highest paid whore I've ever known Volodymyr Zelensky is. And you know what? He was at Davos, right? Doing his little, doing his little flash in, right? He, he comes in on his big old little green screen, not even with tassels on, right? Fully clothed, right? You know, leaving everything to the imagination, asking for more money, Volodymyr Zelensky. Asking for more money from the World Economic Forum. He's like Klaus Schwab. I need you to schwab a little bit deeper in there, right? You know? <laughs> and he's like, that's 500 billion more dollars, Klaus Schwab, to get that, uh, that Q-tip up that orifice as deep as you want. Ladies and gentlemen, Volodymyr Zelensky, man. You know, you know, and I tell you when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? And I used to, I used to be a little partial to Volodymyr. And it's only because he was willing to work with President Trump. Boy, was I wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I was dead wrong on Volodymyr Zelensky. Never let it be said that Mr. C is infallible. Oh, no, I am as human as everyone else on either side of the screen, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? I shall repent until the day I pass. Fortunately, you know what? There's not enough influence here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in, uh, to sway public opinion. And you know what? Thank God for that. 
<laughs> Thank God for that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because people would have been like, well, Mr. C thinks Vladimir's okay. Oh, wait, he's a prostitute. And not only that, you know what? How much, how much you want to bet? How much do you want to bet that most of those billions of dollars are actually going to the Nazis that he paid to do their own little uh, striptease for him, right? He's like, I want all of the Azov Battalion in their songs and in their uh, banana sacks. <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe Vladimir played... Maybe Vladimir had too many requests from the Azov Battalion and now he has to pay them back because they were in their banana hammocks doing their own rendition of YMCA Nazi style, right? Like YMCA maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Young Nazis, whatever. of uh, I don't know. What does YMCA stand for anyways? Okay, so all right, guys. I'm getting way too off of the handle right now. It's too early and it's too late to be doing such things. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and uh, well, you know, we're, we're here to complain about the amount of taxpayer money. We're here to complain about my non-existent grandchildren's money. Fortune that's going over to Ukraine right now, guys. Going over to Ukraine. I mean, how much longer before we hit hyperinflation with the amount of money that we're sending to Ukraine, Right. How much longer, I mean, how much more can the Federal Reserve Central Bank, unconstitutional, you know, uh, uh, independent and corporate bank of America, like, uh, uh, jack up the numbers to where we don't see hyperinflation? I don't get it. Like, you would think with the billions and billions of dollars on top of the trillions of dollars of debt that we already have, that we are not yet at, uh, I don't know, Zimbabwe or, or, or you know, uh, 1930s Germany stature as far as hyperinflation goes. You think we would be there already, right? The Young Men's Nazi Associate, it's got to be the YMNC, YMNA, that doesn't make any sense, right? YNCA, you know, but I don't think that the Nazis are Christians, right? So we, we couldn't say the Young Nazis Christian Association, could we? <laughs> I see you over there, Tam Growl, and it's good to see you. Uh, let me jump in here real quick, since uh, you guys caught my attempt over in the chat room. Java, good to see you. I said hello and hello again, Disco Ball Chaser. Thank you for dropping those links as always, and good to see you as well. Tam Growl's in the house. Skeeter Burke, my two favorite ladies are in the house. What's going on, ladies? Good to see you tonight. Skeeterberg says, I'm intrigued with what y'all are talking about. Skeeterberg, would you like a dance-off between myself and Zelensky? I'll, I'll, I will dance him under the dance floor, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about the table either. Um, Skeeterberg says, exactly. When I clicked on your show, the first thing I hear is something about stilettos. <laughs> and booby tassels, apparently. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I can see Zelensky owes us all dances. Dance, sister, dance, says Tam Growl. He does. You know, he, uh, uh, Zelensky owes every single one of us Americans. Not that we would pay to see it, but we'll take it because that money was sent over. Yeah, yeah. Skeeterberg says, did you see my meme of Klaus Schwab? It's just him holding a giant Q-tip. It says, anal Schwab. <laughs> No, Skeeter, I have not, but uh, 
any any good memes that you create, make sure you send them my way, right? I saw your meme about, uh, what was that? Your meme about uh, Stacey Abrams and the uh, Happy Meals. Okay. I was like, oh, I know where Skeeter Burke gets her ideas from. Send them my way, lady. Send them my way. Ukraine in the membrane, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ukraine in the membrane. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous, you know, about the amount of money that we are sending over to Ukraine. I know I don't need to say it, guys, considering that everyone is feeling the pinch of that inflation and everyone is feeling... Uh, is feeling the anxiety over filling up at the gas station, right? And we already had, as I mentioned, we already had, you know, um, our senators agree with, uh, you know, the representatives, the congressmen about sending over a $40 billion package. But you know what? They don't even want to stop there. You know, what they had tied into that $40 billion package was also... $900 million for more immigration assistance from Ukraine, okay? Like, they're like, we're going to send them $40 million, but we're also going to send them $900 million to ensure that Ukrainians can get the heck out of Ukraine. And, you know, this makes no sense already on face value, right? Just think about this, right? Just think about it. Uh, supposedly, Ukraine is being shelled into non-existence by Russia, whom is supposedly going in there to take them over, but they're supposedly losing the battle. Russia is supposedly, right? And yet they're opening up all of their, uh, they're opening up all of their um, 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 uh, international uh, commissaries and, and, and every other place, embassies, right? They're invited, they're, oh, all of our friends, uh, all of our, uh, all of our um, um, international uh, representatives can come back in. We're opening up our embassies, right? Let's get all of our people back, send them all back. You know, they're opening up the United Kingdoms, they're opening up the United States, right? You know, um, uh, ambassadors are returning to Ukraine and amid all of this deathly bombardment and devastation of Ukraine and Kiev and every other city there, but uh, particularly Kiev, right? Because that's where all the ambassadors go to party hardy and launder money. Uh, we're going to still require $900 million for Ukrainian immigration, right? How does that make sense? You can invite your ambassadors in, right? And Putin's losing, right? According to the Western-backed media. But we still need to immigrate people out of Ukraine. Well, you know what I just say to this is that, you know, we already have Ukrainians knocking at the border of our southern states, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the, the border that Kamala cannot seem to find, right? Kamala. She's like, where's the southern border? Down on the Panama Canal, right? Okay, she can't find the southern border, okay? And we already have Ukrainians knocking on the door. And you know they're Nazis, right? They ain't bringing over mom and pop Joe Ukrainian over here. They're bringing over Nazis, right? So the Nazis can uh, shoot up more buffaloes, uh, so to speak. Is it too soon, right? So they can shoot up more buffaloes and they can shoot up more uh, lefties over in California, 
and they can blame it on white supremacy. And the thing about it is it will actually be white supremacy because they are Nazis with white supremacy tattooed on their calves and on their shoulders, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's just going to only go along to elongate. Oh, I know. Are you guys talking about elongating things uh, last Friday? But uh, elongate, prolongate, uh, uh, gate, gate, right? White supremacy gate, Ukraine gate, Nazi gate, Azov battalion gate in their banana hammocks, entertaining Zelensky, right? Okay, how can that shorty papa... Ask for more money. He's like, you need to send me $5 billion every month, right? Like, who has that kind of uh, clout and pool in the world to say that you need to send me $5 billion per month world stage, right? We're talking about Shorty Papa Zelensky again, ladies and gentlemen. I don't understand it, right? I guess the shorter you get, the more influential and more allure that you have, right? I guess that's how, uh, I guess that's how Tom Cruise did it all this time, right? He's like, I'm five foot five. (laughs) You can toss me around like a football. I guess I don't know. You know, you know, the shorter ones are easier to manhandle, but that's not the point, ladies and gentlemen. That is not the point. So now we have the GOP. That's right, our dear rhinos in office, our dear rhinos up in Capitol Hill. Called them a senator. Called them a congressman. The GOP are rhinos. They need to be dealt with. They need what? They need what, ladies and gentlemen? They need a little bit of a rhino hunting season, and let's call it like we see it, guys, when we're talking about the GOP of 2022 in your state house or on Capitol Hill. No, no, unfortunately, Tam Growl. The $40 billion were not a relocation fee for the Ukrainians. The $40 billion, I told you, is the money that Congress owes uh, Zelensky for nightly visits for all 400 and some odd members of the upper and lower chamber. Plus all of the time that uh, Joe Biden spent sniffing whatever it is that he wanted. He was like, oh, Zelensky. You're as small as a child. Sniff, 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 sniff. I swear. I swear. Biden was like $100 million per sniff of Zelensky. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what that was for, okay? Apparently, you know, apparently, you know, apparently Zelensky is like cocaine for Joe Biden. And you better believe if uh, Zelensky is like like cocaine for Joe Biden that uh, his son Hunter was there right with him. Ladies and gentlemen, his son Hunter was right there, okay? Let's take a look at this before we get into today's episode, guys. I'm being totally crass right now. It's like, if I had known that the Sea Report was this type of a show, I never would have paid any attention, right? (laughs) Anyways, it says here, uh, House and Senate Republicans who voted to give $40 billion in additional American taxpayer funding also helped rubber stamp $900 million to fund Joe Biden's illegitimate mass immigration priorities. 
Last week, only 57 House Republicans and only 11 Senate Republicans voted in opposition to Biden's $40 billion in additional Ukraine aid. That boondoggle package includes $900 million to fund more immigration from Ukraine, even as thousands of Ukrainians pile up at the southern border to get into the United States of America. Okay, so I guess the $900 billion was part of the package. I guess you were right, Skeeter Burke. I was wrong. But you know what? I am fallible. 100%, guys. I'm only human, okay? It says, as part of those millions in funds, Ukrainians will be provided with medical services, housing money, and culturally and linguistically appropriate services. You know this ain't going to go to any of that, right? Housing services? Where? Right? Right? Medical services? I mean, come on. How much more medical attention do the people of Ukraine need when their own army is using them as human shields? Right? I mean, funeral services? I could believe that. Right? Uh, body disposal services? Or what about turning their bodies into, I don't know, Soylent Green? I can understand that. But medical services? Really? Or or maybe it's to turn the Azov battalion into a bunch of transsexual women, right? Or maybe it's to turn the politicians and the politicians' children of Ukraine into Baphomets, because after all, that's the future of the world, isn't it? Yeah. It says here that the package states for an additional amount for refugee and entrant assistance, $900 million to remain available until September 30th, 2023 for carrying out refugee and entrant assistant activities in support of citizens or nationals of Ukraine or a person who last habitually resided in Ukraine for whom such refugee and entrant assistance activities are authorized, provided that amounts made available under this heading in this act may be used for grants or contracts with qualified organizations, including nonprofit entities to provide culturally and linguistically appropriate services, including wraparound services, housing assistance, medical assistance, legal assistance, and case management assistance, right? Which all boils down to bureaucratic waste of money. And let's not forget, we shoot up our own Ukrainian citizens. So why would we offer the medical assistance? Oh, because we shot them up and used them as human targets? Maybe that is exactly what that's all about. But I'm not in Ukraine, so I don't know if I could really speak to that, right? The majority of House and Senate Republicans voted for the funding, including GOP House and Senate leadership. Despite record-breaking illegal immigration levels at the United States-Mexico border, with no plans to close up gaps in the border wall, that remain fully open. Last month, according to Breitbart News, they uh, reported exclusively how the Biden administration had transformed the nation's ports of entry into DMV-style processing centers for Nazi Ukrainians who were flying into Tijuana, Mexico to get released into the United States. One source described the process as a DMV for Ukrainians. Already, Biden has extended the quasi-amnesty program known as temporary protection status to about 75,000 Ukrainians. And do you think these are people who need help? Or do you think these are Nazis who are running away? I'm sure they're embedded in that group somewhere. 
Likewise, Biden has opened a new migration pipeline for Ukrainians where they can apply to come to the United States while they are in Europe. Very, very, very upsetting if you ask me. If I chose to be upset about this right now, I would definitely be upset about this right now, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Anyhow, uh, I mean, there we go, ladies and gentlemen, there we go. Hey, Sean Joe, what's going on? Thank you so much for gifting the cookie. I appreciate you over there for always being present and supportive. Always being present and supportive. The United Nations Army is coming in posing as illegals. Wouldn't that be interesting, right? That's why they have to have a DMV set up in Tijuana for them, Sean Joe, because uh, they need to know where to find them when they tell them to put on their blue or white helmet. That is uh, that is that is a scare right there. Are they going to receive four hundred fifty thousand also a piece for houses? In the United States, like the Afghans did. Good Lord, Tam Growl rubbing the salt in the wound, right? I don't doubt it, right? And how many of those Afghans are going to end up being terrorists, ladies and gentlemen? Actually, you know what? One gave me a lift ride home from uh, Austin, Texas after I went to the American Freedom Tour. That was an interesting conversation. But of course, they can't say much about uh, the things that they did in Afghanistan, ladies and gentlemen. Skeeterberg, you can pose as an illegal all you want. They might see right through it, though. <laughs> I don't even think I could get away with posing as an illegal, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll just leave that there, right? All right, it's time for President Trump's statements for today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got a few things to share with you in that regard. From the good old pres. Let's start with his statements. Um, his statements proper. Let me get that on the screen for you guys. All right, here we go. Coming in from Truth Social. That's where I'm calling my statements from President Trump these days, right? Because it just takes too long through this Harrington's pipeline, and uh, his uh, his website just never seems to be updated. So uh, let's see what we got here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a gander. Uh, President Trump says here, I took in billions of dollars from South Korea in order for them, a very wealthy nation, to be paying something for their military protection. Biden just left and did not ask for anything. They think we are so stupid. Yeah, well, you know, I guess uh, truer words were never said, President Trump, about how... Um, retarded we must look on the world stage at this time of day ladies and gentlemen can't even imagine like uh going from having respect and fear which is based in respect not out of oh agitation or consternation uh and and to be being be to to have the revival of the american uh intelligence uh, even even if you want to go so far as to say intellect on the world stage to say, oh, you know what? With um, with a leader like Donald Trump, he must really represent uh, a very uh, a very savvy type of constituency. You can't say that about Joe Biden, 
ladies and gentlemen. You can't say that about Joe Biden. You know, uh, when President Trump is talking about the protections of other countries, he's in part talking about the United, I mean, about NATO, right? And he's in part talking about America's protection uh, as supposed watchdogs of the world for other countries. And now we don't even ask for a payment, right? Like, I would dare say Obama was like, everyone in NATO pay me a dollar and we'll count that as your payment for our protection as we continue to undermine, destroy, and uh, and bankrupt these United States of America. That was Obama, ladies and gentlemen. Just imagine, just imagine. Uh, hey, CGM61, what's going on? CJM says, I am part Native American, so I tan brownish red. Hey, you know, I get that pale caramel every now and then. Um, Skeeterberg says, the cartels let in Middle East terrorists. Why not a disabled white lady? Because you ain't a terrorist, Skeeterberg. That's why. <laughs> Skeeterberg, I don't know if you caught the replay of Friday, but we went over... Um, your concerns regarding the um, debunking and fact-checking of 2,000 mules. So if you missed it, my dear, we covered it just for you. And so I'd say go and catch that when you can. Joe Bama says Justice Song. Hey, Justice Song, what's going on? That's a good one right there. Joe Bama. Oh, uh, it's better. It's Joe Bama O'Biden, right? <laughs> Joe Bama O'Biden. We got it, guys, right there. All right, Skeeter Burke, hit the memes. Joe Obama, O'Biden. <laughs> That's pretty good right there. CGM says they're already, they're already full of melatonin this year, right? The melatonin has darkened over. Hey, 123SKG, good to see you. Thank you so much for gifting the can. Good to see you in the audience as always. Let's move on to our next President Trump statement. What does the good old Prez have to say now? Oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy. Pennsylvania's count, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to, uh, uh, could be a long time in coming. It's all screwed up. Mail-in ballots are a disaster for America. Allows large-scale systematic cheating. Go to paper ballots. Same-day voting. Write that, Wall Street Journal. Our elections are strictly third world. I don't know if I got much to say about that, President Trump. I'm just hoping and praying that True the Vote will buy, <laughs> that True the Vote will buy uh, some of that, uh, that uh, cell phone data leading up to this election, right? And maybe they can figure out what's really going on over there. Or, you know, I'm just hoping and praying that it will be discovered that both the Dr. Oz team and the Dave McCormick team were just throwing in as many unlawful ballots as they can, guys. And maybe that's the scheme, right? Maybe that's the fix. Maybe that's the fifth dimensional. I ain't talking about 5D ascension, guys. I'm talking about chess playing. Maybe that's the 5D chess that President Trump is playing in this regard. Maybe he's like, oh, we already know that Dr. Oz is an Oprah-loving, adrenochrome-sucking, globalist, World Economic Forum hack. And we already know that they had plans to stuff the ballot box. But guess what? So does David McCormick, and he's an establishment rhino. 
I'm I'm just crossing my fingers here, guys. I'm just crossing my fingers that that is what's going on. And I keep on saying it. I keep on just breathing it into reality, ladies and gentlemen. May both of these globalist hacks be stuffing the ballot. May it be discovered. May we need to have gone through this many elections into 2022 to really just crack open the theft, the fraud, and the involvement of the establishment GOP rhinos. And you heard it here first at the Sea Report. If that's exactly what happened, I would expect all 34 of you in the audience right now to come back and uh, pass me some popcorn or give me a cookie, okay? And be like, Mr. C, I don't know how you knew it, but you knew it, Mr. C. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be right out open and, and we'll invite you on our show for all of you 34 lurkers. We'll invite you on the show, Mr. C, because you seem to have some kind of insight, right? That uh, maybe the rest of my audience should know about or, or maybe not. Maybe we'll just keep getting our ideas from you. Okay. All right. Here goes on to our next statement. I'm being so messy right now. Here goes on to our next statement from President Trump. President Trump says, I think Twitter is going down. Bots, spam, fake accounts, and more all add up to big trouble. But the biggest trouble of them all is that no matter how many times they may ask or admit they were wrong, I will never go back on Twitter again. Truth is better. Elon has no idea what he is getting into. It's a complete mess where users are fleeing, in many cases, to truth. There is no confidence in Twitter anymore. It has become a dark, unfriendly, and very boring hole. <laughs> Whoa, I don't know, Mr. Trump. I would say that uh, President Zelensky's uh, hole is more dark, unfriendly, and boring than true. <laughs> than Twitter's. Anyways, okay, that was really messy, guys. Man, we're getting messy right now, ladies and gentlemen. Count Mehmet Oz, says Tam Growl. <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, I mean, all that you have going back to Twitter right now, okay, uh, are the dark, unfriendly, and very boring individuals that are trying to relive the glory days, right? And they're like, the glory days when all the bots were following us because we're part of this, uh, we're part of these uh, operations to trick uh, patriots into believing that we're on their side, right? Those are the only ones that want to go. Sorry, guys, I'm all like in your face right now. I'm trying to adjust my camera oid here. Okay, anyways. So yeah, those are the only ones. Bots, spam, fake, fake accounts, all of the fake patriots, right? They all want to go back to Twitter so they can relive the glory days with the bots, the spammers, and the fake accounts, right? Anyways, no one's going back to Twitter, President Trump, at least not by my purview, okay, right? Maybe some of the other ones, right, that want to relive the glory days, but no one present, I would say, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go on to our next statement from President Trump. Boy, I'm getting messy today. I do believe that the Rhino Wall Street Journal editorial board actually thinks that what is going on in Pennsylvania with voting is a wonderful and transparent event, and they are so proud to be part of it. Actually, it's a disaster, and so are many of the policy statements of the Wall Street Journal. 
We are laughed at and taken advantage of all over the world. And now, especially after 2020, that includes our elections. Still waiting, Pennsylvania? Keep protecting China, Wall Street Journal. Well, you know what? Someone would probably say that's a pretty big jump you're making right there, President Trump, from uh, from elections to China, right, to the Wall Street Journal. What is this man talking about? What is this man talking about? But anyhow, guys, anyhow, guys, um, well, you know, uh, the Wall Street Journal is always going to try and protect their assets, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, whether that's what's on their backside or what's uh, who's paying for their uh, paying for their magazine or their their journal to keep on being produced. Uh, Of course, they're going to go ahead and say it's the greatest thing in the world and it's the height of transparency. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's a disaster, guys. Everyone is watching. Everyone is taking note about what is happening in Pennsylvania, particularly those who voted for Kathy Barnett, right? I don't doubt it. Next statement, the fake news media is betting the ranch on the worst election integrity governor in the country, Brian Kemp of Georgia who handed the Dems two Senate seats and a big win in the state's presidential race. True the Vote's 2,000 mules rated him absolutely terrible. The lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird propaganda media won't even talk about all of the many wins we have had, including Texas, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and many more. My endorsement numbers, as they know, are unprecedented. Kemp cannot win in the general election. Well, we'll have to see where that goes, guys. I mean, polls keep on putting Kemp above everyone. I think he's leading, like, by double digits for sure uh, in Georgia. But, I mean, of course... Uh, all of the uh, pollsters could just be pulling for Georgia and all of the pollsters, at least at the state level, could definitely be pulling for Kemp. So we'll have to see where that goes. You know, President Trump did have another endorsement of David Perdue that was released, I think, today or yesterday. Not going to share it today, you know, because we're probably going to talk about Georgia tomorrow. Uh, but um, for sure, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it seems like all of the elements that are rife for uh, pulling strings are taking place there in Georgia, including one Stanky Abrams, right, who's uh, just saying things just to disagree with uh, Brian Kemp at this point, which is interesting that she would play that uh, card kind of like the legacy media just uh, says the opposite of Trump for the exact same reasons. I mean, you don't need to garner or hold Kemp up in that high of a regard, Stinky Abrams, because at the end of the day, Kemp is probably still going to take you out to Golden Corral to wine and dine and swine you. Stinky Abrams. I think this is our last statement. Maybe, let's see, from President Trump. It says, uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, is Pennsylvania still okay? Six days and still counting. This was not even a general nationwide election. It was a state election and they still haven't figured it out. Isn't that crazy? Gee, I wonder why. 
France, one day and done. Get a new board if it actually matters, says Trump. Now, you know, I got to say this because this is thrice the moment that President Trump has actually brought France up in the conversation. Now, France might actually do paper ballot elections, and they do. Uh, but, uh, you know, what I've heard about the Le Pen, Macron, the Cabron election is that uh, France, with their paper ballots, has a very, very, very strict process for counting ballots in France. And that is, if your ballot even has so much as a wrinkle, it does not count. Do you know how many uh, crunched up and um, um, messed up and tattered Marie Le Pen ballots I heard were found? Like we're talking like hundreds of thousands of Marie Le Pen ballots had so much as a fold in the ballot. And so they were not counted. So uh, should America move to paper ballots as we should? I think that is a detail on the international stage that we should pay attention to. Don't you guys think, right? They'll be like, you can do it, but uh, you can't do it if um, uh, herein you uh, have some wrinkles on your ballot. Uh, just a minute, guys. It appears that Mama C is calling at the most inopportune time. Just, just one moment. Hello? Hello? Hello, this is Mom. Hi, Mom. You're on the air with Mr. C. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were on your It's show. okay. It's okay. It's the last time you called. Everyone was like, you need to talk to your mama. So we're going to have a real quick conversation here. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. I'll call you, uh, I'll call you whenever. I told you. I did. I I know. I, I wanted to hear all about your trip. I didn't mean to embarrass you. Okay. So I'll call you after the show or tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. If, oh, I'll be off there. I'll be off the show probably by the time you go to bed. So I don't want to uh, wake you up or anything, but I'll, I'll call you tomorrow for sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I work tomorrow eight to two. So. Alrighty, mom. I love you. <laughs> love you too. Bye-bye. Bye, mom. I will. Bye-bye. <laughs> Oh, okay. You guys asked me last time she called. She's the only one that can bust in on a, uh, on a, um, what do they call it? On a do not disturb. I'm on do not disturb because I uh, use my phone to record the show in order to give you guys super high quality um, audio on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> so there you go, guys. <laughs> You, uh, that was for my, that was for you guys out there. Okay. I would not normally have done that under any circumstance by any means. This is a professional show. We can't be having these types of private conversations, right? And making, uh, <laughs> making hosts look a certain way, taking calls from their mama anyways. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, the, and the audience goes wild. Okay. <laughs> Justice Song, Disco Ball Chaser, of course, 123SKG, Timba Jet, Raven 2000, Tam Growl. I'll give all of you guys my regards to my mom, okay? 
<laughs> Raven2000 says, drink your milk, lol. That's what I always tell my... Oh, that's what I, at least that's what I always tell my mom. That's what I always tell my son. Anyhow, okay. <laughs> she had to have known I was on the air, but it's okay. It's all good. Anyways, okay. She was like, I can feel he's on it right now, right? He's just laying into things. Okay. She was like, he needs to stop talking bad about uh, President Trump's endorsing the French elections. That's why she called... <laughs> Anyways, anyways, that was, uh, I'm not embarrassed, guys. I love my mom, okay? I love my mother, okay? So, <laughs> anyways, guys, I'm glad you guys are hanging out with us right now, okay? <laughs> For those of you who didn't get to see that, that's, yeah, you won't see that all the time, right, ladies and gentlemen? We're gonna call that Mama Gate. <laughs> Tam Grell says, your sister and your mom are always welcomed here. See, we'll keep a seat warm. Well, my sister is here, ladies and gentlemen. She is, uh, she, she is hiding out. Actually, she's not hiding out. You know who she is. You've seen, you see her all the time in the chat rooms, ladies and gentlemen. But thank you so much for those warm regards, folks, uh, towards my family. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> I will make sure I let my mother know exactly who all said hello, hello, hello. And Sean Joe, thank you again for the cookie. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, that was fun. That was for that was fun indeed. That was fun. Okay, so uh all right guys. All right, we got to move on guys. We got to move on. That was that was a nice little break in the moment. <laughs> <coughs> That's right, Timbajet. Timbajet says, always remember, if mama ain't happy, nobody is happy. <laughs> Raven 2000, mama gate, elongate. No, 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 no. <laughs> mama waits, says CJM61. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, it looks like we have one final statement from our dear president, President Trump. Okay, so let's see. Let's see. I was like, who's calling me? There's only like so many people that can bust in on a live show like that. Okay. <laughs> Skeeterberg says, if your mama can't call in on you during a live show, you're not American. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can answer that. Uh, I can answer that question, Tam Growl, wholeheartedly. My mama does not trust the government. Okay. <laughs> so. Here we go. Here's our last statement from President Trump for today. It says, uh, Deborah Burks, while working as top health official in government, lost all credibility when she told people in the strongest of terms not to travel during a major holiday because of the China virus. She then traveled a very long distance, a very long distance, uh, to be with a large number of people within her family. What she did was so shameful and egregious that her own family actually turned her in. So cool! How much did they hate her? Oh, President Trump, come on, we're talking about family here. No, <laughs> she had few dresses, many scarves, and no class. Oh my God, I am so going to take that from President Trump. I said, you're fired. I am so stealing that from President Trump. The next time I see someone I don't like, I'm going to be like, she had a few dresses, many scarves, and no class. 
<laughs> I love it, President Trump. Oh, do you know, do you know, do you know how many, dare I say, do you know how many gay supporters he's going to get just for that line? Everyone's going to want to use that line. Did he take that from someone? Is that, I don't think so. President Trump does not watch, uh, you know, Netflix or anything like that. So he couldn't have gotten that from Netflix, but that's a good one. That's a good one. You could even be like, he had few suits, few, many ties and no class, right? (laughs) That is so awesome. That is so awesome. But you know, but you know, you know, President Trump, I do have to say, I do have to say, and again, I'm not thinking about, I'm not thinking about the Band of Brothers here, right? You know the Band of Brothers? Do you know who I'm talking about with the Band of Brothers? Those 10 Senate Republicans that voted to impeach President Trump, right? The Band of Brothers. We shared the story and it has been written that even the Band of Brothers, their family were like, you stupid idiot. Like, what the hell were you thinking by impeaching President Trump, right? Like their own family, right, was saying that. So I'm not thinking about them, but you know, blood is thicker than water. So I don't know if it was so cool that her own family turned her in, but I would say it was a good job that they did. Okay, I don't know what it was. I don't think it was cool, right? I don't think it was cool but I do think they did a morally correct thing by doing so, okay? So we'll have our own little type of, you know, severance there in that regard. I wouldn't say it was cool, but I would say it was correct, ladies and gentlemen, that her family turned her in and she's fired. Donald J. Trump was ferocious, says Sean Joe. Per, 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 Dr. Burks, right? <laughs> per, Dr. Burks, per, Dr. Burks. Anyhow, so there are your woe. There are your President Trump statements for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed them as much as I did, because I definitely did, ladies and gentlemen. All right, uh, moving on to a little bit more President Trump news before we get into the meat of tonight's report. Uh, It seems that President Trump made a surprise visit to CPAC Hungary. Who would have known that Hungary, Hungary, (laughs) who would have known that Hungary had their own CPAC? How interesting that is, right? How interesting. Let's see, just real brief here on the article. It says, uh, United States President Donald Trump described how his country is facing the issues of socialism and communism in his surprise address to CPAC Hungary. He says, in a surprise address to the conservative CPAC conference taking place in Hungary on Friday, United States President Donald Trump described how both his nation and the world were facing the issues of socialism and communism. We don't got to read the article to find out what President Trump said. I've got the clip right here. So let's go ahead and uh, check out what President Trump had to say at CPAC Hungary. It was a video address, guys, but ah, it's pretty cool. He's doing an international appearance, guys, just for the sake of CPAC and uh, for... um. For the president he endorsed over there, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about it before, so let's hear about it now, and uh, let's check it out.
best is yet to come. I'd like to give a very special thank you to the Center for Fundamental Rights and the American Conservative Union. It's really been uh, a fight, and you had a fight, and you're doing fantastically well, and everybody appreciates it. Also, CPAC Hungary, uh, we are very close, as you know, all of us, to Viktor Orban. He's a great leader, a great gentleman, and he just had a very big election result. I was very honored to have endorsed him. A little unusual endorsement. Usually I'm looking at the 50 states, but here we uh, went a little bit astray. And I did that only because he really is a good man and he's done a fantastic job for his country. And we're looking to stop a lot of the problems that are going on in the world, including in the United States, socialism and even communism, if you look at it really deeply. But it's just an honor to be with you, even if it's only briefly, even if it's just doing it the way we're doing it right now. And one of these days soon, we'll all be together. Just keep up the good work, keep up the fight, and I'll see you soon. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com and be sure to follow us on our social medias truth social rumble twitch clout hub and pill.net and hey hey (laughs) sorry tesla tesla pays for abortions anyways so we ain't gonna go there with tesla or (laughs) we ain't gonna go there with tesla ladies and gentlemen anyhow so there you go there was a brief stop in from president trump during a cpac hungary uh sean joe in the audience says that korea and japan may also host a cpac so that's pretty cool you know i'll be quite honest with you guys i didn't know that that was an international Ooh, pardon me. I didn't know that was an international. I was like a pizza caming up, came up. Anyways, I didn't know that was an international type of thing that went on over there. But I think that's pretty cool. I think that is pretty cool, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Relanon, what's up? Thanks for popping in and donating 117 gold pills this way. Much appreciated, my friend. So yeah, so uh, a lot of things kind of going on this weekend, you know. <clears throat> Uh, in addition to CPAC, of course, as we know, uh, and, and it was uh, Victor Orban, right? We've talked about him here at uh, the Sea Report before. Again, guys, when we're talking about um, presidents and nations who stand with America, not the America that illegitimate Joe dreams about, drools over, and smells on the head every night, and definitely not the America that the globalists are trying to proffer to the world in order to fulfill their agendas against said world, uh, but the America that stands for uh, proud nationalism, conservatism, uh, um, uh, common sense, human decency, ladies and gentlemen, and just justice, liberty, happiness, uh, pursuit of happiness, freedom, and travel for all. 
uh, we've got to locate those allies, you know, like we talked about uh, Jair Bolsonaro, president of Brazil, you know, we've talked about the alternative for Deutschland, the alternative party over there in um, Germany, we've talked about Marie Le Pen in France, you know, and, and you know, a few others whom are are doing what they can to ensure, right, that um, um, their nation remains sovereign, that their people remain free, at least as free as that might uh, be offered to those individual countries, you know. Uh, so so uh, Viktor Orban in Hungary is yet another one, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to recognize who are actively fighting the globalists, even Vladimir Putin. And, you know, I still get criticized and harangued, right, by ignorant people out there who seem to think that Putin is the enemy of freedom. You know, I had someone over on BitChute say, silly faggot, don't you know that Putin would throw you in the gulags? And I'm like, Putin don't throw gay people in the gulags. Like, you know, he throws pedophiles in the gulags, right? Not not gay people, you know? And so it's all about uh it's all about having that personal resolve and trusting your own research, trusting your gut, knowing what you know, and not giving in to any of the uh washes that these ignorant individuals will try and throw upon you and to try and drag you down. No, 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 no. You refute all of that. You you stand strong in your and you stand confident in your resolve about that which you know about our country, the way things are going, those who are standing up for us, and in the world, knowing full-heartedly and trusting that which you understand, right? Never let them make you question or doubt yourselves. Never let them make you um, uh, turn that page of self-doubt, right? Because if we, if one doubts oneself, right? If one doubts oneself, the best thing that they can do is double down on their research, double down on their digging to find the truth for themselves and stand strong on your work. Ladies and gentlemen, is all I got to say about that. Okay. All right. Let's talk about it now. Ladies and gentlemen, we had the World Economic Forum along with the World Health Assembly convening in Davos. For their 2022 meet and greet. And you guys better believe it. They'll be passing Zelensky around in his stilettos and his halter top, right? That's what we're paying for, right? Entertainment, right? <laughs> for the uh, for the champagne room with Zelensky, right? I guess, uh, I guess all of the United States representatives, or I should say officials, right, that are attending Davos will have their chance to get that uh, champagne meeting with uh, Zelensky at Davos. As for some reason, he's got the golden orifice, right? They're like, he's got the golden orifice. We got to send him the most money so we can all have a little bit of fun. Anyhow, I'm not going to stop being crass with uh, with Zelensky, guys. I know it gets disgusting. It's disgusting. I hope he just didn't have dinner right now. Well, I'm talking about uh, uh, Zelensky's uh, boring, dark, and and dreary golden orifice. But, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's all we're going to say about that for now. But uh, in the meantime, of course, we do have the World Economic Forum, their meeting happening. It, it convened uh, on yesterday, Sunday, right? I guess that's when they get the party started over there in... Uh, 
in Davos. You know, I came across a very interesting article, though, right? I came across a very interesting article before we jump into some of the meat of this stuff. It actually came from the Legacy Press, this article that I found so interesting, right? Uh, I don't think I have the title for it. Let me let me pop out of Immersive so I can give it to you guys. Title says, Davos is dead. Davos is dead. Really? Really, Legacy Media? You're going to put that type of an article out title? Like, that's clickbait, right? That's clickbait. I don't, I don't get it right now. Like I said, this is a legacy article, right? From the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media, if you want to throw that in there. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, or interesting enough, it comes from an international legacy media outlet, and that would be Al Jazeera, ladies and gentlemen. But according to Al Jazeera, Davos is dead. Now, do you think that they are considering Davos to be dead because they want the rest of the world to breathe easy and take a step back and say, well, we don't got to worry about these World Economic Forum schnooks because it's dead? Or do you think they're saying it because they've been found out? They've been found out for a while, right? Wasn't it Tedros who came up and he was like, there's a small minority of individuals who do not agree with the World Economic Forum or the World Health Organization or the International Health Regulations. I mean, you know, right? Uh, And who do you think that small minority it was? I mean, because after all, it's not just we here in these United States of America who have enough gall uh, to actually say we don't agree with your takeover through these amendments to the International Health Regulations. You know, the ones of us who could actually see it by reading the source documents because apparently not everyone could see it by reading the source documents because the documents didn't say uh i illegitimate joe hereby grant upon the the world health organization complete control over the sovereignty of these united states of america so saith i illegitimate joe you know i can't actually pen this it was probably kamala but at the same time, it probably wasn't her because she was lost down where in Central America trying to find the southern border when I penned this, so saith I, illegitimate Joe, right? So for the people who could actually see it by reading the source material, okay, you know, um, uh, is that the reason why? You know, because it's more than these people. It's an international cause now. I mean, we got people all over the European Union, once sovereign states, part of this international treaty, European Union, you know, the international treaty of the European Union that usurped the sovereignty of those once sovereign nation states for those who just can't see it. Baines, you know, so um, it's an international thing. So for Tedros to say it's a minority uh, I mean, it's more people than the people who attended the, this Davos function, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the people at Davos here and now, I'm pretty sure they are the minority, right? Wouldn't you agree, audience? Would you not agree that they at Davos currently are the minority? I would say so. Let's see what Al Jazeera had to say about the death of 
Davos. And let's see if it actually rings as true. I don't think it will, but let's find out. It says, just when you thought you would never see again the spectacle of private jets landing in the Swiss mountain town of Davos, for the rich and powerful and unironically to unironically discuss solutions to climate change and inequality, the World Economic Forum is back. They're meeting face-to-face for the first time since January 2020. Did you miss it? No, me neither. They meet at a critical juncture in the COVID-19 pandemic. What? The pandemic that is dead, right? If anything's dead, it's the COVID-19 pandemic, not Davos. And in the midst of a huge and deepening inequality crisis... Policy choices made by governments and international institutions throughout the pandemic have fallen woefully short of protecting people from the impact of multiple crises, spiraling inflation, skyrocketing energy bills and fuel prices, as well as high and still rising food prices spell disaster for so many. But the richest few who continue to increase their wealth in the past two years are still benefiting from the crisis. As a result, questions are being raised on the morality of an economic system that has failed to help the masses and instead supercharged inequality during a global health emergency. Well, Al Jazeera, I'm quite uh, I'm quite taken by your analysis of this uh, convention so far. Hmm. Pretty interesting. And this was published in the MSM Legacy. Uh, Open up your browser and here's the article. I wonder what gives, right? Maybe they're just trying to take away some of the impact that uh, minorities like ourselves are having against such types of conventions of individuals and painting to the mass population who care to read beyond the headlines in their browsers that something is being done about it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't buy it at its, uh, I don't buy it at, uh, at word or face value, ladies and gentlemen. It goes on to say, it's somewhat unbelievable that amid all this, finance ministers and multinational CEOs are taking some time out to exchange warm words with fellow captains of industry in a Swiss mountain town but they are they are as they have done for 51 years people however are no longer fooled by the davos talk of equality transparency respect and diversity they are all well aware that those who benefited and continue to benefit from the pandemic that left them struggling to put food on their table such as Pfizer CEO Albert Borla, who made an eye-watering $24.3 million in 2021 and is attending Davos, are not interested in the systemic changes needed to tackle inequality. Indeed, more and more people are questioning what their leaders are doing in unaccountable spaces like Davos, when they could be making policy choices that would address pressing problems. In the United Kingdom, where soaring energy bills forced many families to choose between heating their homes and eating, for example, the government is resisting calls for a windfall tax on the profits of oil and gas companies. It is clear that the British public would rather have their leaders tax the companies benefiting from the growing cost of living crisis than waste time discussing inequality and sustainability 
with CEOs actively deepening that inequality in Switzerland. Even in a pandemic that demands new thinking and more radical solutions to inequality, leaders around the world are clinging to doggedly neoliberal solutions such as lowering corporate taxation as a solution to domestic and economic woes, and this is causing a massive pushback from the people. In Zambia, for example, President Hakande Hichilema is finding an increasingly frustrated citizenry asking who benefits from his economic policies, such as his recent move to lower the corporate taxation rate from 35% to 30%. Zambians are asking in a mineral-rich country with huge copper reserves selling at record prices, why are the vast majority of people still living in crushing poverty? Why are they expected to bear the pain of increasing food and fuel prices? And why are the details of an upcoming IMF loan agreement expected to usher in more devastating austerity being kept hidden from them? Rattled by this uptick in debate and questioning of his approach to policymaking, in a recent speech to an EU Zambia economic forum, Hichilema felt the need to Zambians he was not he felt the need to tell Zambians he was not an agent of imperialism. In this environment, it is hard to imagine that Zambians would appreciate seeing their delegates discuss policy and investment strategies in a forum bringing together all those benefiting from the riches and the crises of their country. Indeed, while uh, International Monetary Fund head Kristalina Georgieva Mining company bosses and finance ministers rub socially distanced shoulders and share canopies in Davos. People will not be celebrating. They will not be celebrating because they know the solutions to their myriad problems do not lie with company bosses or in Davos. Not because global solutions are not needed, they are an important part of the picture, but while many structural solutions to inequality do require global action, the radical changes needed on both the domestic and international fronts are not in the Davos wheelhouse because that would threaten the interests of elites. The World Economic Forum is not accountable to anyone but itself. Serious tax reform proposals that are gaining momentum, such as Global Asset Register, which is the proposal to create a comprehensive international registry of all wealth and assets, or the creation of the United Nations Tax Convention, will not find political backing at Davos, a much-needed reform of multi multilateralism cannot and will not begin in Davos. Okay, now here's here's the poop in the punch bowl, ladies and gentlemen. You stread. So Al Jazeera wants um, the United Nations Tax Convention, right? And they also want a global asset register. And you won't be able to find that in Davos. But this is what Al Jazeera wants. Do you think that the people of these United States of America want a United Nations Tax Convention? I don't think so. So there's the poop in the punch bowl. Are we found out what they're hiding in their hiding? Okay, they're decrying Davos because no one at Davos can take care of those two things for them. A UN tax convention and 
a global asset register. Okay, so Al Jazeera's for that. Okay, we found the poop in the punch bowl, ladies and gentlemen. We found the poop in the punch bowl. And just so you know, I got a French, I got a fresh punch bowl right over here, guys. It might be spiked, but there ain't no poop in it. Okay, so uh, you're gladly welcome to decline this article. But we're going to finish it because it's pretty interesting, right? It's given you, it's given you the story that uh, we, the minority, want to hear. But it's also embedding, you know, those globalist desires inside of it, right? Okay, you got to be able to discern these things, ladies and gentlemen, just by reading. Okay, article continues. People want to see accountability in domestic policy, in tax policy, in particular, and this does not require a trip to Switzerland. Just this week, Amazon's Jeff Bezos criticized United States illegitimate President Joe Biden on Twitter for suggesting that making the wealthiest corporations uh, pay their fair share. That's it. Cooperations or corporations? Eh? Jeff Bezos? Eh? Al Jazeera? What you talking about, right? pay their fair share could help bring down inflation. It was not hard to see that the billionaire businessman was nervous about the possibility of the next United States budget, including a new billionaire's tax that would see him pay an extra $35 billion in taxes. The possibility of a corporate tax hike coupled with the news of Amazon's first ever unionized warehouse is clearly making Bezos uncomfortable, and he should feel uncomfortable. Times are a-changin'. Billionaires like Bezos are no longer free to wield their power without being challenged. And you know, this article is also going to serve to help all the Antifers and all the socialists and all the self-avowed communists and Marxists be like, We love Al Jazeera! We love Al Jazeera! They're talking for us! You know, the, the communist, socialist, progressive uh, um, 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 communists that run around with our $150 tennis shoes, our $1,000 tel- uh, cell phones, and our $10 cups of coffee, right? Yeah, you just know it, right? You just feel it in your blood, don't you? The media has dubbed 2019 the year of protest. In the years that followed, despite the pandemic, the protest has not stopped. After two years of pandemic, skyrocketing prices, rising poverty, and deepening inequality, right? Another big old festoon there for Al Jazeera. People are beyond a breaking point, and they have no patience left for governments and international institutes that are acting to protect the interests of the richest and the most powerful. Those attending Davos this year should take notice of this reality. People will not be looking at Davos for solutions. They already know how their problems can be resolved. Uh, Here we go again with the Antifa BLM Marxist communist solution by taxing the richest people and corporations and by ensuring fair wages and unemployment. So there you see Al Jazeera's little snake in the grass, little poop in the punch bowl. Right. In publishing this article that decries, that defames, that disagrees with Davos. Right. Just so Al Jazeera can be in uh, in, in, in good spirits with uh, people like my audience. Ah, <laughs> Al Jazeera. My audience has far more discernment. We appreciate the sentiments, but we do not appreciate your globalist uh, um, wantons. It says, and by ending the monopoly of the Davos set, has over politics and you know and we're fine with that but we want all of it to come down al jazeera so stop trying to trick us 
and stop stop trying to snooker us into going along with the rest of your uh, uh, with the rest of your desires just because you're writing an article that is not Davos' favor. The people have no patience for the speeches or meaningless policy proposals that will pr be produced in Davos this week. This is why people around the world, from Kenya and South Africa to Switzerland and the United Kingdom, will once again be taking to the streets to send a singular message to their leaders at Davos. It is time to tax the rich. Oh, you sound spoken like a true Antifa self-avowed communist, Al Jazeera. <coughs> Thank you again for the sentiments, but we're not buying it 100% Al Jazeera. We just ain't buying it. Period, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's talk about some of the United States officials that are meeting at this World Economic Forum 2022. I mean, obviously, it's a world stage of attendance for people around this globe, but... Uh, we're more concerned about the uh, treasonous folk who are attending from our country. Let's see what this article says about that. This is coming from uh, someone's Substack. Sorry, I don't have the name for it here, but uh, we'll figure it out in a minute. It says here, uh, it says, uh, of course, there will be a special address by Volodymyr Zelensky in full tassel and thong, right? President of Ukraine. He's looking for some more money, you know, pass out them to make sure he don't want no dollar bills, right? He, he wants some Benjamins up in that thong as he goes around the uh, as he goes around the assembly. Uh, the American contingent will include 25 politicians and Biden administration officials. We have United States Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, um, and they will be joining climate czar John Kerry as the White House representatives there. They will be joined by 12 Democrat and 10 Republican politicians, including seven senators and two state governors. Take your notes, ladies and gentlemen. Without further delay, we've replied, we've provided the entire list of attendees who are showing up at Davos next week and uh, the list of the Americans below and the rest will be linked uh, below in an attached document. Gina Raimondo, Secretary of Commerce for the United States of America, John F. Kerry, Special President, Presidential Envoy for Climate of the United States of America, Congressman Bill Keating, a Democrat. Congressman Daniel Mauser, a Republican from Pennsylvania. Uh, Congressman Madeline Dean, a Congresswoman from Pennsylvania, Democrat. Ted Liu, a Congressman from California, Democrat. Uh, Ted Liu, isn't that the one that everyone is like kind of up on his sack, right? Anyways, Congresswoman Ann Wagner, a Republican from Missouri. Uh, Senator Christopher Coons, a Democrat from Delaware. Uh, Congressman Daryl Issa, a Republican from California. Congressman Dean Phillips, a Democrat of Minnesota. Senator Deborah Fisher, a Republican from Nebraska. Governor uh, Eric Holcomb, a Republican governor of Indiana. Huh. Take note, Indiana, right? Congressman Gregory W. Meeks, a Democrat of New York. Senator John W. Hickenlooper, 
a Democrat from Colorado, Governor Larry Hogan, Republican Governor of Maryland. Oh, you piece of crap. Congressman Michael McCall. Really? Really, Michael? Really, Congressman McCall? Really? Republican of Texas? Okay, this guy, he's in my area. He's in my area. He's not my representative, but this, this bitch is in my area. Congressman Michael McCall, Republican of Texas. Really? You really think it's going to do you good to be in Davos, Michael McCall? Okay. I see your signs up and down them city streets and highways, Michael McCall. All right. We got your number now. We taking notes, ladies and gentlemen, on Michael McCall. Oh, we're taking notes, ladies and gentlemen. Senator Pat Toomey, or Toomey, Republican of Pennsylvania, to be expected, right? Senator Patrick J. Leahy of Vermont, a Democrat. Senator Robert Mendez, a Democrat of New Jersey. Senator Roger F. Wicker, Republican of Mississippi. Congressman Seth Moulton, how? No, just kidding. Seth Moulton, Democrat, Massachusetts. Uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat from Rhode Island. Uh, Congressman Ted Deutsch, <laughs> or Deutsch, I don't know how you say that. Democrat of Florida. Um, Mayor Francis Suarez of Miami, a Republican. And let's not forget... Al Gore, right? Al Gore himself, right? Uh, Mr. Mr. O. <laughs> what on earth was that freaking uh, Al Gore? <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking of Man Bear Pig, ladies and gentlemen. Senator, uh, Vice President Man Bear Pig himself, Al Gore, will also, of course, be in attendance because he needs to maintain some type of relevance as the Coca-Cola panda bear continues to drown in the Arctic North. Ladies and gentlemen, Vice President Man Bear Pig Al Gore. Okay, so there. There are your representatives, guys, from these United States of America attending this World Economic Forum session, right? I'm guessing these are all going to be the people who are, uh, what, um, uh, voting on the World Health Assembly. I don't even know. We'll figure it out, guys. It's happening in the next five days. Uh, this is from the dossier by Jordan Schatchel or Schatchel, Satchel, right? I just wanted to give credit where credit is due for giving us that list of attendees, ladies and gentlemen. Now, as we move on, ladies and gentlemen, we're still talking about the World Economic Forum. We're still talking about the World Health Assembly's vote on the International Health Regulations Amendments. It appears that uh, you know him, you love him. President Jair Bolsonaro of Brazil has said unto the World Health Assembly, the World Health Organization, and the World Economic Forum, Nunca! 
We will never ever join along with these amendments to the IRH. We will not surrender the sovereignty of Brazil, so saith nunca, never, no, nine, yet. How many languages do I need to say it in you guys? The word is no. And President Bolsonaro of Brazil is not going to go along with any of these uh, international emergency declarations by the Director General of the World Health Organization to uh, commandeer an entire nation and indeed the nations of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, President Jair Bolsonaro is a friend of the Sea Report and the Sea Report is a friend of his. Let's take a look at this article. Jair Bolsonaro says Brazil will not sign the globalist World Health Organization pandemic treaty. All right. We already got someone throwing a wrench in their cogs. I love it. Love it. Love it. Presidente Bolsonaro. We love you here at the Sea Report. The article says... Jair Bolsonaro announced this week that Brazil will not turn over its sovereignty to the World Health Organization. Eat your heart out, Baines. The WHO, led by Tedros Abhanam Gubrahesus, <laughs> failed repeatedly and pushed outright lies about the China coronavirus pandemic in 2020. Oh, so Bolsonaro says that Tedros and the WHO lied. They lied. Liar, liar, pants on fire, mentiroso, mentiroso, pantalontos on fuere. <laughs> As the Gateway Pundit was first to report back in March 2020, Dr. Tedros claimed COVID had a mortality rate for those who caught the virus of 3.4%, causing a global panic. This proved to be a ridiculous overestimation of the facts based on faulty calculations. In fact, they called him out in March of 2020. Tedros and the World Health Organization also urged countries not to shut down travel from China and pushed restrictions that did little to nothing to lessen the severity of the pandemic. Now the globalists, including illegitimate Joe and the godless left in America, want to turn over United States sovereignty to the World Health Organization for future crisis determinations. And they are being determined by the China-dominated organization. <coughs> but the president of Brazil, President Jair Bolsonaro, says, No way, Jose, that this is going to happen in the country of Brazil. Let's go ahead and hear it from the president of Brazil himself. Now, for the sake of those on the podcast, um, I will read the uh, <laughs> I will read the um, captions here, right from the president. So let's see if we can figure out a way to do this in a good manner. Okay, I'm going to lower the volume of President Bolsonaro so I can speak over him, right? And you guys uh, in the chat room as well as those on the podcast, uh, theoretically speaking, should be able to determine the language that we are translating from as English. Okay, so here we go. So it starts off by saying Brazil will not get into this World Health Organization pandemic treaty. Brazil is autonomous. 
Brazil is autonomous and will not get into this. Oh, he's going too fast. Okay, it says Brazil is autonomous and will not get into this. You cannot forget that. I've already spoken to our foreign relations cabinet and that and if that proposal goes forward, it will not be with Brazil. Moreover, I was the only statesman that did not adhere to the lockdown policies. I said we had to take care of the elderly and people with comorbidities. And today's studies outside of Brazil especially show that I was right. And check this out. Which state locked itself the most in Brazil? Sao Paulo. Which state had the most deaths per 100,000 people? Sao Paulo. That is a sign I was right. Okay. And now for the pleasure of those who like to hear uh, President Bolsonaro speak in his native tongue without my over <laughs> over speaking. Here is the president's speech unabridged. Brasil não entra nessa. O Brasil é autônomo. O Brasil é autônomo não entra nessa. Pode esquecer. Já falei com, com relações exteriores. Com relações exteriores, tá? Essa, essa proposta, se for para frente, não vai ser com o Brasil. Até porque eu fui o único chefe de Estado do mundo que não aderiu àquelas questões do lockdown. O único. Ele falava que tinha cuidado dos do, do mais idosos e o pessoal com comorbidade. E hoje os estudos de fora do Brasil em especial mostram que estava certo. E olha só. Qual o estado que vai fechar no Brasil? São Paulo. São Paulo. Qual o estado que morreu mais gente por, por 100 mil habitantes? São Paulo. Sinal que estava certo. Mas o Brasil não. Okay, there you go. That's from the president himself, ladies and gentlemen, from the president himself of Brazil. Uh, let me go and put that back up here. Okay, there we go. So, President Brazil, President Bolsonaro is clearly not having it, ladies and gentlemen. He will not abide by these international health regulations that illegitimate Joe decided to uh, hand over, right? for their takeover of the world. I'm sorry if you can't see it, but hopefully you're reporting on it now. Uh, whoever it was that can't see it, or at least sharing the story, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, Tam Growl. His people love him. His people love him. Aurelius Locke is coming at me with some Spanish over here. No vete a la mira todo el camino. Something about the street and watching it, watching the entire street. <laughs> Man bear pig says CJM sixty one right. Man bear pig. All right. Recall McCall says Java. No kidding, dude. That's actually a really good slogan. Recall McCall. That's a really good slogan. Someone should print that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're going to get into our last World Economic Forum Davos World Health Assembly meeting story for today. And that happens to do with an archbishop that a lot of people really do take a shining to. And I could totally understand why. I've read this man's statements. I have uh, heard what this man has to say. And apparently, Archbishop Vigano 
also refutes the World Health Economic Takeover through international health emergency just as much as President Bolsonaro does, just as much as anyone who can see it by reading the source materials. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, so uh, President, uh, President Archbishop Migano actually released a statement about a nation's uh, culpability for releasing its sovereignty. What do you think that he had to say about this? He's like, oh, oh, if a nation wants to give up their sovereignty, they need to be held accountable. Let's see what Archbishop Vigano had to say. Ladies and gentlemen, it goes this way. My buttons aren't working. <laughs> Hold on. None of my buttons are working. Oh, Lord. There we go. They're working now, ladies and gentlemen. It goes this way. Let me go ahead and expand that once more. Okay. All right. From Archbishop Migano. Regarding the yielding of sovereignty to the World Health Organization for the Management of Health Emergencies, a declaration. In the coming days, the nations that adhere to the World Health Organization will vote on resolutions regarding the World Health Organization's management of pandemics. These resolutions will transfer sovereignty regarding the health of citizens to a supranational body that is largely financed by the pharmaceutical industry and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. If these resolutions are approved by a majority, the World Health Organization will have exclusive international authority in the case of a pandemic to impose all the rules, including quarantines, lockdowns, obligatory vaccinations, and vaccine passports. It should also be borne in mind that these organizations enjoy immunity and thus its members cannot be either tried or convicted if they commit crimes. Unelected technocrats will paradoxically have more power than that which citizens confer on their representatives by means of their Democrat vote. Given that the yielding of sovereignty is considered the crime of high treason by the laws of every nation, and that parliaments may not legislate against the interest of the nation, much less violate the natural liberties and fundamental rights of the citizens whom they represent, I believe that it will not escape anyone's notice that this attempt by the World Health Organization to appropriate a power that properly belongs to individual nations is intended to impede any sort of opposition to that Agenda 2030, which in the field of healthcare also aims to accomplish the drastic reduction of medical and hospital services, the privatization of the health industry, and disease in prevention by means of vaccines. The psychopandemic has industry oh, psychopandemic the psychopandemic has demonstrated the enslavement of rulers the political system the media the judiciary the entire medical industry and even the holy see itself to the diktats of a group 
of functionaries of a super supranational entity that has a blatant conflict of interest. The disastrous adverse effects of the experimental mRNA serum are only now being recognized, while there are many who rightly expect that those responsible for these decisions ought to be held accountable before an independent court. It therefore sounds absurd, to say the least, that there is now a desire to give binding decision-making power to the World Health Organization when its management of the recent emergency pandemic and the vaccine campaign, the greatest uh, damage was done in terms of the number of deaths and of patients who have suffered permanent damage to their health. In addition to the impunity it enjoyed for the crimes it has committed thanks to the silence of the mainstream media, the World Health Organization also has total discretion over how to respond to the upcoming emergencies that are obviously being planned by the pharmaceutical lobby. The marginalization of health personnel who appeal to the Hippocratic Oath risks becoming the norm by which to eliminate every voice of dissent. In this regard, it is significant that the nations that oppose the New World Order, like Russia and Brazil, are aware of the very serious consequences that the ratification of these resolutions would entail, and for this reason they are opposed to their approval. During his term of office, President Trump also sent an unequivocal signal by halting funding from the United States Treasury to the World Health Organization. This was one of the reasons that the deep state blocked his re-election in 2020, supporting a compromised and corrupt individual whose son, Hunter Biden, is involved in financing American biolabs in Ukraine. I therefore express my full support for the citizens, especially scientists, doctors, and legal experts who are denouncing this threat to the national sovereignty of the adhering of nations and who are asking for light to be shed on past events and on the consequences that the decisions of the World Health Organization have caused for the health of the world population." I exhort heads of state and government leaders who will be called to express their views about the ratification of these resolutions to reject them, since they are contrary to the common good and intended to carry out the global coup that the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum have planned for years under the names of the Agenda 2030 and the Great Reset. Global health government governance is one of the fundamental elements of the new world order, as has been made clear by authoritative experts who are not compromised with the system, and as such it must be rejected and opposed. The logic of control, profit, and mass pathologization pathologization must be replaced with a public health policy that has its primary goal, the health of citizens and the protection of their inalienable rights.
The Holy See, which is a permanent observer at the United Nations and also at the World Health Organization for one year now, has the duty to reaffirm the right of individuals to accept or refuse health treatments, especially in the face of the concrete danger of adverse effects, which are still partly unknown from this experimental genetic treatment. And if up until now, Bergoglio and his cabal have indulged in the delusions of Gates, Schwab, and Soros, the time has come for the Catholic Church to defend the weakest, the defenseless, unborn, children, and the elderly, as well as those who have been blackmailed by the cynicism of businessmen and conspirators in, the, in order to face them to be inoculated with a serum contaminated by aborted fetal cell lines. The present conspiratorial silence of the Vatican, after the hasty pronouncements it made at the beginning of the pandemic and its shameful endorsements of Big Pharma, will be imputed to the condemnation of the Roman Sanhedrin, which has made itself an accomplice in a crime against God and man. Never! In all history, has the hierarchy prostituted itself to temporal power in such a servile and abject way? Let us pray that some bishops will find the courage to distance themselves from Bergoglio's collaborationist line and find the words to open the eyes of those good people who have thus far been deceived by globalist propaganda. Signed, Carlo Maria Vigliano, Archbishop, on May 21st, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen. Dang, that was fire! All right, Archbishop Vigliano, you've got the moves, my friend. And spells it out crystal clear, ladies and gentlemen, at exactly the danger that we could see by reading the source materials of the amendments to the IHR. It ain't no joke, ladies and gentlemen, and I just hope that, I'm going to get petty here, that Uncover DC and Tracy Baines did not lose all their credibility or half of their uh, audience, guys. <laughs> uh, or that they're at least paying attention to some other streams of information, because clearly this is a lot bigger and a lot worse than uh, some people happen to see, ladies and gentlemen. And with that, we will conclude our World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, World Health Assembly chatter about what is to happen uh, along the next course of a few days. And uh, I think we're ready to move on, ladies and gentlemen. I already popped open... <laughs> The next topic du jour. We're going to take a real quick break, though, ladies and gentlemen. We don't do it often, but we do it when we need to. Here at the Sea Report. We'll come back in just a second, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be talking about Durham and the Michael Sussman trial. Hang on to your horses, ladies and gentlemen, because we ain't finished yet. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. 
Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the C report. And thanks y'all. Greatest president we've ever had. I'm just I'm talking emotional. But I really thankful that I've been invited here, so tell me what what makes you emotional about the president. What he's done for the country, all his policy changes, what he's done for black and brown Americans, and um, what he's done for Hispanic people. In this, uh, I'm trying to think. I like the way he talks. Period. You know, he's not scared of anything. Trump does not lie. I tell you that much, man. He says, "That's what I said. I must stick to it. Whether you like it or not, I'm staying there." Best thing about the event is the positivity. You know. It's- it's not about the past. It's not about racism. It's not about slavery. It's about how things are going so well right now. That's the best thing about it. Trump has done so many fantastic things, not only for, you know, what you think the white people or the rich people, but for the black people, for the Asian people, for the Latino people, for everyone. There is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this but some know exactly what they are doing. We are the nation that gave rise to the Wright brothers, Clara Barton, Jesse Owens, George Patton, General George Patton. They think the American people are weak and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud, and they will not allow our country and all of its values, history, and culture to be taken from them. They want to silence us, but we will not be silenced. We stand tall, we stand proud, and we only kneel to Almighty God. time for our politicians to summon the bravery and determination of our American ancestors. It is time to plant our flag and to protect the greatest of this nation for citizens of every race, every city, and every part of this glorious land. Make no mistake, this left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. 
In so doing, they would destroy the very civilization that rescued billions from poverty, disease, violence, and hunger, and that lifted humanity to new heights of achievement, discovery, and progress. To make this possible, they are determined to tear down every statue, symbol, and memory of our national heritage. America's destiny is in our sights. America's heroes are embedded in our hearts. America's future is in our hands. And ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. Thank you for that, guys. I much appreciated that. Just need to take a quick break. But hey, what better way to remind us, ladies and gentlemen, what better way to remind us about um, the trust that we Americans have rightfully placed in one man and his administration. But that doesn't mean that uh, we're not going to just up and let him take care of it, right? I like that. Uh, Java says there's more room on Mount Rushmore. I feel that too. I feel that so wholeheartedly. Can't wait for that day, ladies and gentlemen. It's about time that they had a refresher up there, right? Maybe, maybe do a little bit of a plastic surgery and collagen boosts on the other presidents and just add, you know, President Trump up there on Mount Rushmore. I kid, I kid, except for the Mount Rushmore part. Now, uh, all right, guys, let's get into the second portion of tonight's show. We, we probably won't be too, too long on the updates on the Michael Sussman trial. We'll, we'll probably move along pretty quickly on this, guys. Uh, a lot of us already know a lot about what's uh, going on in that regards, but want to make sure that my audience, especially if they... Uh, Get their news solely from this show, because I know a few that do are up to date in the continuity of matters and stories that we pass along, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, let's get right into it. Now, I got this ugly booger on the screen. Thine eyes should be grateful, O oh podcast listeners, that you're not viewing that wretch, otherwise known as Mark Elias. Look at this guy. Look at him, right? I think I used to call him, like, the love child of, like, Oogie Boogie and, like, the Stay Puff Marshmallow or something like that. Like, seriously, <laughs> he's just, whoo, man, Mark Elias, too many night games, maybe? I don't know. Anyways, so, uh, and you know, you can barely see him, but Mark Elias got them child chompers as well. They all have those trademark child chompers, right? Got to nibble on the bones of children. Anyways. Before we jump into um, the Michael Sussman trial, I just had a couple of Mark Elias stories, okay? Now, as I was going back through all of my previous C-reports today, because I was trying to make sure I had them all saved and cataloged, it was episode number, I think, 250, 
where we shared the story with you guys about how Mark Elias was discovered to actually represent Black Lives Matter, right? Isn't that crazy? Episode 250? No, that's not crazy. What's crazy is that this guy pops up everywhere, you know, from sea to shining sea across amber waves of grain, you know, this man, Mark Elias, is there to try and bring down America or just totally destroy any advances that we as a constitutional republic have made in the last 250 plus years. Ladies and gentlemen, there is Mark Elias. Yep, that's right. Stay Puff Jr. Jr. And uh, and Mama Oogie Boogie, right? There's their son. Oh. Anyhow. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I would, I would willingly be able to assess that Mark Elias has dropped Black Lives Matter. That's right. Mark Elias dropped Black Lives Matter as a client because that, that might show intent, right? It's like, well, not only are you undermining elections, not only are you trying to subvert election integrity, not only are you going for every Marxist uh, progressive ideal that speaks against conservatives or the republic, but you're also backing up an organization that has brought nothing but rage and hate and destruction in its path. In its in its in its uh, Nike, Adidas, uh, iPhone, Starbucks ridden path of destruction, right? Well, Mark Elias has dropped BLM. He has dropped BLM because just like he separated from Perkins Coy, we called it here first at the C Report. Uh, because we knew that he was going to be questioned. We knew that he was going to come under fire from the Durham investigation. Called it! Called it here at the Sea Report before anyone else you listen to, ladies and gentlemen. Not that that means anything, but, you know, I just, it makes me feel good about myself, ladies and gentlemen, and my gut when I listen to it. Um, Mark Elias has dropped BLM, ladies and gentlemen. Let's check out what this is all about. It says, uh, Clinton cronies Mignon Moore and Mark Elias suddenly leave Black Lives Matter with no reason given. Is that Mignon Moore? I guess that's Mignon Moore. Uh, who's this from? This comes from the pundit as well. That The pundit that comes from the gateway over there in uh, Missouri. We reportedly previously reported, we reportedly previously reported that Mark Elias and Mignon Moore, two Clinton allies, benefited immensely from Black Lives Matter. They've made their money and now they are leaving the radical, violent group behind. Oh, poor Black Lives Matter. They're not going to have the uh, they're not going to have the protection of the most uh, the most um, uh, doggedly servile Democrat um, um, uh, prote- proletarian there protector, Mark Elias. It says here. That uh, let's skip all of this history. It says uh, Mark Elias, who was Hillary's attorney during her 2016 um, a campaign, uh, was also the attorney assigned to Black Lives Matter. Now, this Minion Moore person was on the board of Black Lives Matter and also worked on Hillary Clinton's campaign. I guess you might want to leave an organization like Black Lives Matter behind, particularly if you're sitting on the stand and testifying to protect your boss, Hillary Clinton. 
Um, but let's see here. It says now, um, uh, oh, apparently this Mignon Moore is now helping Biden pick a black female for the Supreme Court. Uh, how old is this article, right? Uh, let's see here. Let's move on here. What does this have to say here? Uh, Mignon Moore, Mignon Moore, Mignon Moore. It says, um, we recently wrote about how Mark Elias worked for Black Lives Matter. This was unknown until recently. Elias was Hillary's general counsel in her 2016 campaign for president. And he is currently mentioned in Durham's indictment of another Hillary attorney, Michael Sussman. It's also been reported the attorneys for BLM were paid over $12 million in 2020, pardon me, 2020 alone. According to Daily Mail, it says the most, pro- the most high profile Black Lives Matter group in the nation spent almost a quarter of its donations in 2020 on consultants and lawyers. The Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation submitted a statement of its revenue and expenses for the year while applying for tax-exempt nonprofit status in August 2020. IRS documents obtained by DailyMail.com show the group blew $12.7 million out of the $60 million in donations it received following the outcry over George Floyd's death on professional fees. The costs refer to accountants, lawyers, consultants, and contractors utilized by the organization, which includes the high-powered law firm Hillary Clinton retained of her 2016 presidential campaign, where attorneys bills attorneys billed $750 per hour. The foundation also planned to spend the same amount on professional fees in 2021. The documents exclusively obtained by the Daily Mail shows. Um, It says it's now being reported that both Elias and Moore are leaving BLM. A pair of uh, Clinton family allies have left the board of Black Lives Matter just days after its co-founder Patrice Calors admitted to lying about not using the group's $6 million mansion for fun. Colors, 38, told the Associated Press Monday that she used the opulent seven-bed Studio City compound purchased in cash by BLM in October of 2020 for a party to celebrate Joe Biden's inauguration and another for her son's birthday. And now it has been revealed that Mignon Moore and Mark Elias, two close allies of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, have stepped down from the board of the national organization, according to the Washington Examiner. Both were only confirmed as being on Black Lives Matter's board on February, sparking speculation as to the reason behind their sudden departures. No reason has been given, but Black Lives Matters has plunged into yet another scandal this week after its co-founder Patrice Calors admitted lying about how she'd used a $6 million mansion bought with donor cash. Whether there's money, the Clintons, Obamas, and Bidens, they all seem to show up. Maybe the Black Lives Matters money is now gone. Now, I'm willing to bet that that is not the case, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you my idea why I think little Mr. Mark Elias has suddenly up and flown the coup from Black Lives Matter. And for all of you content creators who are lurking in the bouts, they heard it here first, okay? Because you're going to go spout my truths off on your show later on. Mark Elias has left Black Lives Matter for this reason, and maybe not this reason alone, but this reason indeed. 
Well, it seems to me that True the Vote certainly has the investigation out right now. It seems to me that True the Vote has been able to tie many Antifers and Black Lives Matters to not only ballot trafficking, but also to, I don't know, um, rioting in the streets throughout 2020, 2019, 2017, 2018, 2021. It seems to me, content creators who are lurking, that maybe... um, um, Mark Elias is flying the coup because once uh, someone brings down the hammer, and I'm talking about law enforcement, and they decide to actually investigate the uh, cell phone IDs and who they belong to, the individuals who are ballot trafficking, it wouldn't stand good for someone like Mark Elias, who was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign, to still be representing some organization wherein most of their members were participating in ballot trafficking in Stinky Abrams, Georgia, right? Because she's black, they're black, they matter because they're alive, right? And also doing these riots throughout the summer of 2020 and 2019. Don't you think, content? Do you know how much my audience just dropped after I called out the lurking content creators? (laughs) All right, members of my audience, you do your due diligence and you call them out when they start talking about this same idea. I'm calling on you guys to be honest, right? Call them out, right? Okay. I lost half my audience when I said the content creators were lurking, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, anyways. So, all right. As we, uh, as we carry on, ladies and gentlemen, they're like, I wasn't in the audience. <laughs> it was my idea, not Mr. C's, right? Okay, well, screw y'all. Okay, so, well, I mean, I mean, that's what I think is going on here, guys. It's the same reason why Mark Elias separated from Perkins Coy because he knew something was coming down the pipeline. We called it, right, here at the Sea Report. Before Mark Elias was even to, uh, verified to have been standing testimony, ladies and gentlemen, it was known, at least by my gut feeling, weeks in advance, that he left Perkins Coy because guess what? His name's going to be coming up and a Durham indictment. His name's going to be coming up, oh, on a grand jury panel. And you know what happened? Within a few weeks, there was Mark Elias and there was all of the alternative independent media talking about what? Mark Elias sat on a grand jury panel in a Durham investigation panel. I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just saying, uh, Java says, that's a good call, Mr. C. Can he escape the net of justice, though? I don't think so. I don't think so, Java. I don't think he can at all. And yes, Aurelius Locke, Mark Elias did testify in Sussman's trial. We talked about that last week. We're not going to be talking about Mark Elias this week because... Well, we already talked about it, so (laughs) there's no point in rehashing it, right? But it appears that Mark Elias is also coming under fire from the Democrat Party. Now, Mark Elias, the trusted bulldog against the the Republican conservatives, against the, uh, the voting suppressor party, right? Mark Elias is coming under fire by the Democrats, those who which entrust all of their loyalties and faith in Mark Elias. Democrats are mad at Mark Elias for blunders in voting rights cases. It seems to me, ladies and gentlemen, that this just might be, these just might be the first cracks 
right? Wherein Mark Elias is going to learn. You see how you see how skinny this man has gotten in such in such a few manner of seconds. You saw the picture I showed him in, and now the picture you see now. You see, this man is under a lot of stress, right? He is under a lot of stress. The cracks in the loyalty and faith for Mark Elias by the progressive left, the leftist Democrats, all of these people are starting to show, right? And Mark Elias is soon going to learn that he is nothing more than a pawn and he is nothing more than fodder in their grand machine. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Elias is going to learn quick because he is under the gun, he is under the thumb, and the spotlight's shining on him. And how is he going to wiggle his way out of it when he's the man who is sculpting many of the pieces of treason and um, um, and deception against America in fighting for the Democrats and the progressive left's um, 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 willpower. It says here, Mark Elias, the Democrat election lawyer responsible for arranging the phony Russia dossier, right? That's right. He is an architect, ladies and gentlemen. The Russian dossier phony on Donald Trump in 2016 is taking criticism from members of his party for risky litigation that has led to Democrats losing some of their legal weapons. The Washington Free Beacon reports that Elias, once the high-flying election lawyer for Democrats at Perkins Coy, <laughs> who wrote this article? Breitbart? Perkins Core? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay, Breitbart. It's okay. Perkins Core has suffered a reversal of fortune since special counsel John H. Durham implicated him in the Russian collusion hoax probe. Elias remains one of the most important election lawyers for the party, pushing to overturn ballot integrity laws, challenging results in close races, and suing to protect Democrat redistricting maps and fight against Republican maps in various states. I'm telling you, Elias is everywhere. You know, if, if, if Mike Lindell is oxygen... Mark Elias is like either the H or the two or the O, you know, anyways. So it says that's water, isn't it? Anyways, never mind. Never mind my bizarre analysis of chemistry and uh, <laughs> particles. Elias, who left Perkins Coy to start the Elias Law Firm group before his former colleague Michael Sussman was indicted. Oh, how conveniently he left Perkins Coy before his former colleague was indicted for allegedly lying to the FBI, hired the Fusion GPS opposition research firm on behalf of the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee to dig up supposed dirt on Trump in Russia. The result, the Steele PP dossier led to the Russia collusion, collusion, collusion hoax conspiracy theory that led the FBI to spy on the Trump campaign and damage the Trump presidency. Unfortunately, the conspiracy theory was found to be meritless by special counsel Robert Mueller, who still could not figure out that the FBI knew about it on day one. We'll jump into that. Special counsel Durham indicted Sussman for lying about his role working for Clinton in, related, in a related effort to link Trump to Russia via the Alpha Bank. Elias, who went on to lead Democrats' efforts to force vote by mail in the 2020 presidential election, 
That's right, Elias was there in Wisconsin with Rhino Robin Voss and uh, the rest of his committee to get this pushed nationwide. Elias was there, right? They say Trump was right. I say Elias was there, right? He's guilty on all fronts, okay? Apparently went on to testify at grand jury proceedings. He has tried to keep some communications from Durham by citing attorney-client privilege, claiming that Fusion GPS was hired for legal work and not for opposition research. The Free Beacon reports that many Democrats are souring on Elias for another reason. He is jeopardizing legal tactics that they hope to use in future elections by taking risks that result in those tactics being prohibited by the United States Supreme Court. Elias challenged two ordinary voting regulations in Arizona under a provision of the Voting Rights Act that protects minority political involvement. Liberals did not want the court to rule on the scope of that provision. They feared the conservatives would interpret it narrowly and hamstring their attacks on new red state election laws. The scope of that provision was an open question that liberals wanted to keep out of the Supreme Court. The conservative justices have repeatedly trimmed the reach of the Voting Rights Act, and liberals feared Elias would bring about a like result, especially since the rules he challenged were common to blue and red states alike. Well, what can, what can you do when you're giving Mark Elias so many jobs, ladies and gentlemen? What can you do? I mean, what's Elias to do? He's like, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to I gotta lie to the people about voter suppression. I got to get ballot boxes. I got to uh, hire a PP dossier. I mean, uh, Mark Elias, look at him. Look at him. He's clearly overworked, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's clearly overworked, okay? So anyways... Uh, for the podcast viewers, we were just reviewing an image of Mark Elias. Anyhow, it goes on to say the scope that of the provisions, uh, the scope of that provision was an open question. And we read that already. The court decisions in Brnovich versus DNC played out exactly as liberals feared. Now, don't go getting up on Brnovich's britches just because they mentioned his name against the Democrat National Convention, ladies and gentlemen. We've already been through this with Brnovich. Brnovich deserves nobody's trust. Brnovich deserves nobody's faith. Brnovich deserves to be lost in the political quagmire that he's put himself in. And he will not prevail when it comes down to the Arizona U.S. Senate vote for Arizona. Now, with that said... The uh, paragraph continues, the court's decision in Brnovich versus the DNC played out exactly as liberals feared. Justice Samuel Alito delivered, delivered a 6-3 to three decision that upheld Arizona's rules, announced new limits on the Voting Rights Act challenges, and in so doing put new red state election regulations on firmer footing. Democrats saw the ruling as an unmitigated catastrophe. The Free Beacon itself played a role in the Russia controversy as it hired Fusion GPS to research Trump before Elias did. How interesting. How interesting that the Free Beacon played. Must be because the Free Beacon was talking to all of the GPS and uh, Fusion GPS and all the other mad hatters. 
that were uh, working with um, uh, getting out this false story disseminated to the public. It's kind of what I think that Breitbart means by that statement. Creative writer, good evening. Thank you for gifting the cookie. I appreciate every one of you guys that uh, toss your cookies my way, right? And uh, show your support to the C Report and all of my endeavors in uh, sharing this information. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your support. Is most appreciated. All right, let's jump into the Durham investigations, Michael Sussman trial as it continues. Uh, we still got plenty of time on the clock, ladies and gentlemen. We're not quite at three hours. I got to cut it at three hours, guys. I have to put a limit somewhere, don't I? Okay, so I do. All right, so with that said, let's just jump right in, right? Uh, we're going to jump in headfirst. Le who is that? I never would have recognized this guy without his mustache, right? But this is former FBI general counsel, James Baker. And it appears that he testified when he testified after Mark Elias, but before Robbie Mook. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because we haven't gotten to discuss James Baker's testification on the stand during the Michael Sussman trial. So let's jump right into it, guys. Baker takes the stand. This was on Wednesday of last week. And it says here that Baker recounted learning at some point in 2016 that Michael Sussman was representing Clinton or the DNC, but believed that representation was connected with cyber matters, not with political issues. Obviously, he acknowledged that Baker never pressed Sussman on the sourcing for the data he conveyed. Now, Twitter's deputy general counsel, Baker, testified that Sussman told him he was not seeking a meeting on behalf of any clients when he texted his personal phone on September 18th, 2016. Sussman wrote he had something time sensitive and sensitive and was seeking a meeting not on behalf of any clients, but to help the bureau. OK, <laughs> again. This is former FBI General Counsel James Baker testifying, right, during the Michael Sussman trial. Prosecutors revealed in April that they had obtained the text but had not indicated how they got it. Baker said he took a picture of the text on his phone and sent it to prosecutors. The way I thought about it, I'm not out to get Michael. This is not my investigation. This is your investigation, Baker said of prosecutors' discovery requests. Baker ended up meeting with Sussman a day later. He says, I kind of wondered how he got my personal phone number, but I did not worry about it. He's a friend. I trust him. I thought I should meet with him right away. Baker said he had known Sussman since they worked together in the Department of Justice and maintained a friendship to this day. He said he generally knew of Sussman uh, and his involvement with the Democrat National Committee. The prosecution and defense grilled Baker about varied responses about the meeting and his subsequent uh, actions. Okay. All right. So there we go with Baker. Oh, it looks like Elias might have come after Baker. My bad. But we're not going to look at the rest of this article anyways. I just wanted to get in James Baker's uh, portion on this trial because after all, 
we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of James Baker and the FBI as we move forward, ladies and gentlemen, indeed. So, all right, so here we go. Here is the uh, duck-billed mouth of Robbie Mook, Robert Mook, former uh, Hillary Clinton campaign manager. And it seems that the biggest hurrah that has come out of this Michael Sussman case, I don't think it's deservedly the biggest hurrah. I think the biggest hurrah is a story that we got coming up in a minute. But everyone's like, oh, oh. Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager said she's the one who approved it, ladies and gentlemen. And it's true. It's true. He did. She did, according to Robbie Mook. Now, I've also heard that Mook is actually very concerned for his life, but I don't know. Something seems to tell me that they should have probably killed him before he took the stand, right? Now it's kind of like, what's the point? Unless we just want to lead more people to Clinton sides that, uh, you know, the Clintons and their campaign commit against people that uh, expose them. What else more could he say? I guess Robbie Mook could say a whole lot more. But we'll leave that to the realm of Project Camelot to decide, ladies and gentlemen. Hillary Clinton approved the dissemination and the um, 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 extremification of information of Trump-Russian bank allegations to media. Campaign manager testifies in the most damning moment of the Michael Sussman trial to date, which I don't think it is, but apparently it is, is that Clinton is the one who gave him the go-ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what the article has to say. Clinton's former campaign manager said he took the idea of leaking Trump-Russia allegations to multiple senior campaign officials. And there is Clinton. Do you remember? There's Robbie Mook. You see him right there? And there's, do you remember this? I remember seeing this on the air when she was in her little like uh, airplane and her pants apparently were stained brown on the back and she had her dentures falling out. Do you guys remember? Maybe not. Okay, I'll have to dig up that, uh, I'll have to dig up that clip for you. Anyways, it says here, former Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook testified Friday that then Democrat presidential nominee Hillary Clinton approved the dissemination of materials alleging a covert communications channel between the Trump organization and Russia's Alpha Bank to the media, despite campaign officials not being totally confident in the legitimacy of the data. Former FBI General Counsel James Baker testified Thursday that the Bureau investigated the data alleging a Trump connection to the Kremlin-linked bank and found that there was nothing there. Mook was called to the stand for testimony by Michael Sussman's defense Friday during cross-examination by government prosecutor Andrew DeFilippis. Friday, Mook was asked about the campaign's understanding of the Alpha Bank allegations against Trump and whether they plan to release the data to the media. Mook said he was first brief about the Alpha Bank issue by campaign general counsel Mark Elias, who at the time was a partner at the law firm Perkins Coy. Mook testified that he was told that the data had become uh, ha- that that had come from people that had expertise in this sort of matter. 
Mook said the campaign totally confident was not totally confident in the legitimacy of the data, but had hoped to give the information to a reporter who could further run it down to determine it was accurate or substantive. Now, isn't that kind of peculiar how... Uh, none of the three-letter agencies could confirm the data, but by giving it over to a reporter, they could determine where the FBI or even the CIA could not. Of course, the CIA had already come to their conclusion and had already shared that conclusion with the FBI, but somehow a reporter is going to do better than that. Well, you know what? Considering the work that I do here at the C-Report, I guess I could understand. <laughs> Anyways, it goes on to say um, he also, he being Robbie Mook, said he discussed whether to give the information to a reporter with a senior campaign official, including campaign chairman Don Podesta, senior policy advisor who is now the White House national security advisor, Jake the Lying Liar Sullivan, and communications director Jennifer Palmira. So Podesta, Palmyra, and Sullivan have suddenly got wrapped up, right, in these loose strings. Uh-huh. It goes on to say here, Mook says, Mook says this, I discussed it with Hillary as well. Mook says, I don't remember the substance of the conversation, but notionally, the discussion was, hey, we have this and we want to share it with a reporter. The government asked Mook if Clinton approved the dissemination of the data to the media, and Mook testified she agreed. Mook later said he can't recall the exact sequence of events when asked if he shared the idea to give the Trump Alpha Bank allegations to the media with Clinton before or after the decision was made. He says, all I remember is that she agreed with the decision. Sussman has been charged with making a false statement to the FBI, according to this report. And uh, I think we know the rest of it from this point up until here. It says Mook earlier in questioning from the defense was asked whether he or anyone on the Clinton campaign approved or gave Sussman permission to bring the allegations to the FBI, to which Mook replied, nope. Later, the defense further questioned Mook, asking if Hillary Clinton herself approved Sussman going to the FBI. Mook testified, I am not aware. When asked again, he said, I don't know. I don't know why she would. The government, in its opening statement Tuesday, argued that Sussman's delivery of the Trump Alpha Bank allegations to the FBI was part of the Clinton campaign's plan to create an October surprise against then-candidate Donald Trump. The government moved to admit a tweet from Clinton dated October 31st, 2016 as evidence, despite U.S. District Judge Christopher, I'm part of the deep state Cooper, ruling last month that the court would exclude the tweet as hearsay. Okay. So uh, there we are in that line of reasoning. I guess we can finish up with this here, guys. It goes on to say, Cooper Friday granted the government's motion to admit the Clinton tweet, which stated computer scientists have already uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank, a bold-faced lie. 
Clinton also shared a statement from Jake Sullivan, which stated this could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. Computer scientists have uncovered a covert link, server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. Sullivan said the secret hotline may be the key to unlocking the mystery of Trump's ties to Russia. Apparently, Sullivan also stated in 2016, this line of communication may help explain Trump's bizarre adoration of Vladimir Putin and endorsement of so many pro-Kremlin positions throughout his campaign. It raises even more troubling questions in light of Russia's masterminding of hacking efforts that are clearly intended to hurt Hillary Clinton's campaign. Sullivan also added, They can only assume federal authorities will now explore this direct connection between Trump and Russia as part of their existing probe into Russia's meddling in our elections. When asked for the definition of an October Surprise Friday, Mook testified that this is the idea that you have a devastating piece of opposition research and drop it on a candidate so the candidate does not have time to respond or recover from it as a result, losing the election. When pressed to identify the date of the Clinton tweet for the jury, Mook stated October 31st. 2016, Mook defended the tweet by saying, I did not see it as some sort of silver bullet, and I don't think that others on the campaign did as either. As for the Trump Alpha Bank allegations in general, Mook said, we thought this was highly suspect, and if it was true, we wanted the American people to know about it for sure. Mook again, uh, Mook again called the data certainly alarming and suspicious. Meanwhile, Baker testified Thursday that the FBI began an investigation into the Trump Alpha Bank allegations, which lasted several weeks, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half, which is surprisingly alarming since the FBI and the CIA knew within a day, one day, the very day they received that data, that it was a nothing burger, right? A big old nothing burger. Baker testified, we concluded there was no substance. We could not confirm it. We could not confirm there was a surreptitious, a surreptitious communications channel. Baker adding, there was nothing there. And just for the uh, pleasure of enjoyment, in a Tuesday afternoon testimony, FBI Special Agent Scott Hellman also said the data revealing the alleged covert communications channel between Trump and Russia that Sussman brought to the FBI turned out to be untrue. And he said that they did not agree with it or the narrative. Mm-hmm. They found out in less than a day. Mook's testimony revealing Clinton approved the plan to share the Trump Alpha Bank allegations with the media comes after Fox News first reported that CIA's the CIA, dating back to July 2016, had information of Clinton's approval of a plan to tie Trump to Russia as a means of distracting the public from her use of private email server. Fox News obtained declassified notes from then-CIA director John O. Brennan after then-President Barack Obama on July 28, 2016, memorializing Clinton's purported proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by 
Russian Security Service. Isn't that some good stuff, ladies and gentlemen? That is just some good stuff. And as you can clearly see, ladies and gentlemen, Biden security advisor Jake Sullivan is clearly implicated in the findings, ladies and gentlemen, clearly implicated in the findings. Someone get his ass back from Eurasia or Ukraine. This clear snake who probably has white supremacists like tattooed on his left butt cheek needs to come home. He needs to testify. He needs to stand trial. Look at it. Look at this guy. Do, dare I, dare I put this swamp creature on the screen as I am doing now. Look at him. He looks like he has been up at an all-night adrenochrome party, ladies and gentlemen. And it's probably that same party where he got white supremacists tattooed on his left butt cheek. All right, guys. Hey, what's up, WC Cranop? Thank you so much for the 1,059 gold pills. I appreciate you, buddy. He's got his popcorn and his beer and the cameras are rolling and the time's on the clock. And this is wild, he says. Indeed it is, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed it is. All right. Uh, let me see here. We're almost at the end of today's report. Let's talk a little bit at this, about the CIA. Now, this is, this is the little bit of tidbit of information. Now, it's, it's, it's obviously revelatory and it's very substantial that you have a former Clinton campaign manager testifying against his former campaign person, right? Um, but I think this is also another big deal. And that is the fact that Michael Sussman, who is standing trial for lying to the FBI, also lied to the CIA. I'm like, can you double up, you know, can you double up these charges? Because... He lied to more than one alphabet agency, ladies and gentlemen. He lied to more than one alphabet three-letter agency, you know? And so that should be noted. I guess you can't get him on what is that called? Like double, uh, double jeopardy or whatever. Anyhow, getting to Sussman's lying to the CIA. Let's look at that. It says, uh, Michael Sussman lied to the CIA officers about Trump's claims a Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer lied to two CIA officers in 2017 when presenting data he claimed showed that President Donald Trump was linked to a Russian bank. A former CIA officer testified in federal court on May 20th. The officer, who was referred to as Kevin P., told the court that he and another officer, Stephen M., met with Michael Sussman, the lawyer, on February 9th, 2017 at the headquarters of the spy agency in Langley, Virginia. Sussman said he was not representing any particular clients and referring to the sources of his information as contacts, Kevin P. testified. That's the same lie that Sussman is on trial for, allegedly telling James Baker, an FBI lawyer to whom he passed some of this data in September of 2016. Sussman told the CIA officers that he was a member of a law firm and other lawyers at the firm represented uh, representing Clinton and the Democrat National Committee, but made it clear that he did not have any connection with that, according to the ex-officer. 
Sussman said he wanted his contacts to remain anonymous because of potential threats to them from the Russians. Kevin P. took the information and passed it on to CIA technical experts. The information pertained to alleged links between the Trump organization and Russia's Alpha Bank, with Sussman and others with the Clinton campaign suggesting the links were nefarious. The FBI concluded the information did not support that suggestion. For the first time in April, it was revealed that the CIA determined the information was not technically plausible, did not withstand technical scrutiny, contained gaps, conflicted with itself, and was user-created and not machine or tool-generated, according to special counsel John Durham's office, which is prosecuting Sussman. Kevin P.'s testimony and that of retired CIA officer Mark Chattison were the first time anybody from the CIA addressed the matter in public. According to a memorandum of the meeting that was filed by prosecutors before the trial started, Sussman during the meeting advised that he was not representing a particular client and that his law firm's work was unrelated to his reasons for contacting the CIA. In an early version of the memo, memorializing the latter meeting with Sussman, the memo referred to him saying he had clients who wanted to remain anonymous. Kevin P. said he changed clients to contacts because Sussman did not refer to them as clients. Kevin P. also acknowledged that he did not ask Sussman whether any of his contacts were clients. Sussman's first meeting with Chattison, a retired CIA officer, um, the first meeting took place over breakfast at a Northern Virginia hotel about two weeks before Sussman met with the CIA officers. Chattison said Gilman Louie, who ran the CIA's venture capital NQTEL fund, asked him to meet Sussman because he had information of importance to national security. Chattison said that Sussman told him that he was representing a client in relation to the information. Sussman said he was representing an engineer with a number of patents and a Republican who had some allegations against President Trump that he wanted him, me to hear, Chattison testified. That matches a memo of the conversation that states that Sussman said that he represents a client who does not want to be known, but who had some interesting information about the presence and activity of a unique Russian-made phone around President Trump. Sussman appears to have been referring to Rodney Joffe, a technology executive who prosecutors say helped develop the information. Joffe has said he was promised a position in the government if Clinton won the election. Sussman told Kevin P. that he went to the CIA because he was worried the FBI did not handle the material he'd handed over properly, musing that the Bureau may lack the needed expertise to analyze it. Did he say he was frustrated because no one was listening to him? Sean Berkowitz, a lawyer representing, asked, uh, representing Sussman, asked. Chattison said yes, he was frustrated. Scott Hellman, an FBI expert who testified earlier in the trial, said it was evident within a day that the data Sussman brought did not support the allegations against Trump. Chattison noted in an email to the CIA that they should remember that this guy is a partisan lawyer who works for the DNC, adding, I am not sure what the real story is, but I'm sure you guys will figure this out. 
My feeling, says Chattison, was the information was interesting enough to pass to the CIA to be vetted and validated. I had no ability to assess the validity of the information. He seemed loyal and seemed like a credible source. Point blank period being what? That Sussman lied to both the FBI and the CIA. And we have a very, 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 um, uh, I would say, supportive member of the audience over at Twitch. Uh, please pardon my Texan. Holy Fresh, Holy Flesh says, F the World Economic Forum, F Klaus Schwab, F Bill Gates, F the government, F the FBI, F the CIA, and F fiat currency. Welcome to the family, Holy Flesh. <laughs> Welcome to the family. I'm glad you could join us and spread those um, pungent words of wisdom. I'm not joking. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. A lot of my audience feels exactly the same way. And you might only see three people in the audience where you stand holy flesh, but there are many of us on multiple platforms watching here and now. And you know what, holy flesh, along with all of those F-bombs, how about we also say F Christopher Cooper, judge globalist, deep state henchman overseeing this trial, right? F. Christopher Cooper, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we've all heard about the shenanigans that uh, Judge Christopher Cooper is doing in this trial. I swear, you know, he's trying to be as uh, he's trying to be as covert as Judge Allison Nathan or Nathan Allison, as I like to call it. You know, the one that was overseeing the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. But uh, Christopher Cooper just cannot be that covert when he's allowing so many overt things to pass through his cause. Right? What is Christopher Cooper doing now besides, you know, ignoring a whole bunch of things and uh, concerns? It appears that um, uh, John Durham has um, identified a biased juror, right? A juror sitting on the panel that was like buddy, buddy with Sussman's family. Am I reading that right? Is, is that exactly what it was? Let's find out. Judge, a judge in Clinton lawyer trial rejects Durham's request to remove a juror over ties to the defendant. The article goes this way. The judge overseeing Michael Sussman's trial on May 19th denied a request from prosecutors with special counsel John Durham's team to remove a juror who revealed having ties to Sussman's case. This is worse than the juror in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial that did not admit to being abused as a child. It says, juror number five told U.S. District Judge Christopher Cooper, an Obama appointee, that her daughter and Sussman's daughter are on the same crew team. Now, I don't know what this team crew's about, but they're on the same team, which means, like, they probably, like, I don't know, they probably carpool together, right, to the, the, to the crew team meeting. The woman said she did not know of this until her daughter mentioned it to her on Wednesday evening. Once she knew, she reported the fact to court officials. Jurors filled out a questionnaire that included the question, The defendant in this case is Michael A. Sussman, age 57, who is a resident of Washington, D.C. Do you, any member of your family or close personal friends, know or have any connections with Mr. Sussman or any of his family members? Cooper wondered whether juror number five's answers to the question had been different if she knew about the association. He also asked whether the ties would reflect her ability to be fair. 
the juror said, I would have disclosed it if I had known. She said she did not know Sussman's daughter and still does not know even know the girl's name. There are 30 to 40 girls on the team. The juror's daughter is a senior while Sussman's daughter is a freshman. The juror said she'd never seen Sussman or his wife at any one of the meets or practices or any other team-related social events, right? Prosecutor Britton Shaw on Durham's team moved for the juror to be sent home. The government would have wanted uh, the government would have wanted to strike her for cause, Shaw said. We have no reason to doubt she's being truthful, but such contacts as a parent can really shape her outlook. Our position is she should not stand in the jury, the prosecutor said. Cooper rejected the motion. The judgment maintained that the separation in years between the girls and the large number of students on the crew team was enough distance for the juror to be impartial. He praised the juror for her honesty in coming forward as soon as she realized what he termed as a tangential link. The trial of Sussman, who worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign when Clinton was vying for the presidency in the 2016 election, is accused of lying to the FBI and the CIA, at least under Mr. C's purview, when he said he was bringing claims against Clinton's rival Donald Trump to the FBI on his own accord and instead of on behalf of clients. And that started on May 16th. 16 jurors were selected with four being alternates, the alternates. The jurors do not know if they are on the jury or on an alternate. The four alternates will not be in the room when the jury decides on a verdict. Almost all of the juror candidates expressed strong antipathy to Trump. About half of them also said they did not like Clinton. Shenanigans, ladies and gentlemen. I call shenanigans, ladies and gentlemen. Shenanigans. Send her home. I mean, she may not be the, she may be an alternate juror, right? Not on the panel in the end, but still, ladies and gentlemen, still, you never know which way that pendulum is going to swing in the long scheme of things. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another episode of The Sea Report. Thank you so much for joining me live on this Monday, May 23rd, 2022 for episode 307. Please be advised if you are joining us on Rumble or Twitter or, sorry, Twitter on, yeah, no, Twitch, Rumble, Twitch, or Clout Hub. Follow and subscribe for free. Give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. Check out our clips over at Rumble. I think they're quite entertaining. We'll have more going live as the day and the week progresses. <laughs> and if you're joining us over at the foxhole.apphill.net, Thank you so much for being in the audience, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for your gold pill donations as well and for supporting the show. Nathan Allison Faux Show says Tam Growl. Rowers says uh, WC Cranop. I'm not sure I understand what that's in reference to. De oh, Rowers Crew. Gotcha. Rowers Crew. WC Cranop. He says, uh, depends if that crew is primary. If so, college placement can be a tool for them to use, says WC Cranop. Giving us a little bit of insight and wisdom 
Thank you so much, WC Cranop. Thank you again for your gold pill donations. Make sure if you have a Truth Social, you can find us, locate us, and follow us at MRCTV. If you're over at Gab, that is MR underscore CTV, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure as always, and I thank you once again. We'll be back once the sun does its revolution around this planet. Or I should say the planet spins in circles anyways. We'll see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Be here or not, uh, we will be. So until then, as always and as per usual, be safe, be blessed, ladies and gentlemen. God bless America. God bless each and every one of you all. We will see you next time. Take care until then. Mm -hmm.